We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen. You can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. So, what up, everybody? Welcome back. This is Kel Dansby and Andreas Hale here, of course. And we are bringing you another episode of the Corner Podcast. Shout out to the sponsors starting the show off right. It's been a crazy week, man. I feel like we talked about the Kaepernick stuff last week to put it to bed, but it doesn't go away. And you know this more than anyone. Uh, yeah, it's another week. And, I th- you know, as I said, it, well, I went on a little Twitter rampage the other night, but it feels like when it, when it just is getting ready to go away and they're just going to let us be and let Kaepernick and everybody else protest, somebody just comes out and says some dumb shit. 
And it's, it's just growing increasingly frustrating to see that this is still being discussed. It's almost been a month, dog, a month. And we're still talking about somebody sitting out for the national anthem and not talking about any of the issues that he's presented. I've never seen anything like this. But it, you know what? What it's really done, though, is really shown, all right, um, I've lost a lot of friends and I lost a lot of, uh, well, not even friends. I don't even think they're friends. But um, people that I know that I had respect for, I don't respect anymore because of this shit. And I'm kind of happy that it happened because I, I get to see where people stand when it comes to this. I mean, friends of my family have come out and said shit like about Kaepernick disrespecting the flag. And it's just it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It, I don't I'm over it. I feel your pain like you're trying to talk to these people and it just drains you, though. Like I've, I've had three conversations about it and that's it because I refuse to engage anyone else. I have like a group chat with my close friends from high school. and We talk about so we talked about it. And we're like a crazy diverse group. So that was a good conversation. And then I had one Facebook conversation, which I regretted immediately. And then we talked about it on the podcast. But I stayed off of Twitter and all this stuff. People just don't understand. The, yeah, the Facebook joint I had, like, it turned into, yo, I'm voting for Trump because why not? Wow. And I just lost it. I was like, yo, how do we go from Kaepernick to Trump? And it's, it's ridiculous. And I'd be pissed if Trump is president and they re-enlist the draft. And I have to go to war. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm fighting somebody. On. Someone's catching a sneak. I ain't going either. I ain't built for that. Only one I, mean, I got is Halo, Call of Duty. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's crazy because, like, on my Facebook, anybody, like, Facebook is stupid, first and foremost. No, it's like, the I, worst. <laughs> like, people love Facebook. Like, I, I hate Facebook. And I only had Facebook out of necessity. And it's just really dumb because there's people that you haven't seen for a long time pop up. And have something to say. So, um, full disclaimer, like I've said it before, I was raised by a white woman. And a friend of my grandmother, who's the, the white woman I'm talking about, uh, had something to say about my Kaepernick thing. It was like, well, you were raised by um, a white woman, and I don't understand how you can be so hateful towards white people. First of all, I've never said anything about white people. I've said people said about dumb people. I don't have a problem with certain white people. But it just so happens that there, there tends to be a whole swath of ignorant-ass white people who are becoming what I call micro-racist, which means that they have this – it's this uh, passive-aggressive racism where – like that cross-the-street racism. You know what I'm saying? Like when they see you coming, they cross the street out of safety. Right, um, they purse racism. Yeah, like that's yeah. – it's just – they don't – you know, nobody comes out wearing a goddamn plan sheet anymore. You know, and, and calling you a nigger. Like, that that doesn't happen anymore. Well, actually, it does. That like, should happen some places. I was about to say that. Yeah. Happen some places. It does. But there's this, this, this apathetic, like, um, well, lacking empathy, you know, to what, what you're going through. And it, it's frustrating because people are like, well, you know, couldn't he find a better way to protest? And that's, that, that's the shit that pissed me off. Better way to protest. All right. So Martin Luther King was peaceful and they killed his ass. Malcolm X said by any means necessary and they killed his ass. Um... You know, we march in the streets. Y'all say that we're doing it wrong. We say something. Y'all say we're doing it wrong. Colin Kaepernick is taking a knee quietly during not hurting anybody, right? Not doing anything. And you still want us to find a different way to protest? Like you can't in a fight. You can't tell me how to fight the fight. You can't tell me how to fight you, especially if like not you per se, but you're a part of this bigger group. That has been oppressing African Americans and minorities in general for the for God knows how long. I know since my existence and my existence is before that. You know, all my, my family members. But for you to tell me how to fight, 
is just as ignorant as the one just saying, fuck you. You know, like Kid Rock said, fuck you. I hate Kid Rock. Fuck Kid Rock. He vultured our culture for so many years being a uh, redneck rapper. And now he's, he's got the nerve to get on stage and say, fuck Colin Kaepernick. All right, fuck you too. But then you have those people who are just like, well, just can't you find a better way to do it? No, fuck you. There is no better way to do it. You don't listen. This country doesn't listen to us. So it was just another Twitter rampage last night. Not even a rampage. I was just venting my frustrations because I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Kid Rock said that stupid shit. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the band members of Kiss was like, you know, people fought for freedom. There's, there's a newsflash, people. America doesn't fight for freedom, all right? Like, we didn't fight Vietnam because Vietnam was oppressing us. We didn't, I mean, if we were fighting for freedom after 9-11, we wouldn't have gone to Iraq, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, we use excuses to oppress other countries, and, and every war that we fight isn't for a good cause. Now, granted, that doesn't mean the military, the soldiers that are in the war are bad people. But let's just be frank. This shit ain't about freedom. This is about, this is about financial upswing. This is about, you know, oil. This is about, you know, uh, uh, power. That's all it really is. We're already, like, we're as free as we're going to get. Nobody's, nobody's really threatening our freedom right now. So shut the fuck up. I'm just, I'm just tired. I'm tired <laughs> of everybody saying things. Just shut the fuck up. Like, if you're not going to add anything to, um, to a solution... Shut the fuck up. If you're not going to support us, shut the fuck up. Because you never said anything about Alton Sterling, Philandro Castile, Sean Bell, uh, um, Abner Louima. Like, you haven't said shit about any of these people. And now you're coming out, spending three weeks conversing about a man not standing for the national anthem and saying you're not a racist. Fuck you. Yeah, like, that's the craziest shit. Like, Tony La Russa in baseball, I don't know how any black people still play for him. He only had one black guy on his team. But... <laughs> I mean, you know, it's baseball, but really, that guy should just be like, yo, I'm out of here. Fuck this, trade me. <laughs> because LaRusso's comment was, oh, I wouldn't have that in my clubhouse. I wouldn't allow him to take a knee, blah, blah. What do you mean? I'm a grown-ass man. Right. And I wrote an article about that um, today. We're recording. It's Thursday. But for BSO, and it's just like, why are combat sports people silent on the subject? Why is no one taking a stand with Kaepernick? Mm-hmm. And it's from the same thing. It's like you sign your contract and they own you. It's like, it's such a slave mentality. Dabo Sweeney, who, honest to God, probably didn't mean to say it, but it's that, like, you know, micro uh, racist term that you were talking about. Just that hint of it. He was like, why are they taking a knee? We have a black, we have black head coaches and black quarterbacks. It's like, you think that's all we care about? <laughs> like, really? So you give us a quarterback and a head coach? And he was like, there's a black NBA owner or there's black owners. It's like, no, there's one black owner. Right. And you think that shit's cool? Like, you give us one and we're good? Like, no, it doesn't equate. Like, stuff like that is stupid. It's like, yo, you guys got one. Shut up. Don't protest. It's like, cool, you might have a black quarterback, but your black quarterback's cousin, who's still in the hood, probably got shot yesterday. Right. I mean... You know, and I know the listeners, there's some listeners to the show who's like, man, what, y'all talk about this every week, but I, this is me. Like, the one thing that people are going to grow to learn if you don't follow me on social media or if you haven't read my articles over the year, the, the one overlapping thing about me is I am black and I talk about it. And I'm not afraid to talk about it in any, any field, whether it's combat sports, music, like, it's always, like, race is always a part of the conversation. It doesn't dominate the conversation. But when things come up like this, you won't, I can't be quiet. There's just no way you can shut me up about it because I spent my whole year fighting, you know, my whole life fighting. I grew up, you know, with a white grandmother who told me that, you know, to be colorblind. And then, you know, I dealt with racism 
for my whole life. You know, I, I was, I, you know, I, everybody's been pulled over by the cops, you know, at times or followed in the story. So there are things that I've seen and things that I've dealt with, went to an HBCU um, and, and, and donated my time and my money to the community. Like I've, I've done this my whole life with or without combat sports or music or anything else. So I'm going to talk about this shit. And it's, it's, it's up front and it's in our face and so you can't hide it. And I'm going to talk about it because y'all won't let the shit go. That's my biggest issue. Just let it go. Kaepernick, Eric Reed, Brandon Marshall, like they're all taking knees. These athletes are taking knees. They're not doing anything to you. They're disrespecting your flag, but you disrespect our black bodies by watching us die in the streets every fucking day. So I don't understand the big deal. Get over it. Like, again... If you're going to aid to it, then great. But if not, just be quiet. And then Tony LaRusso, you know, like Adam Jones. Adam Jones is right. Baseball is still a white man's sport. 8% African-American. 8%. And it's not like the 90s when the 8% of those African-Americans were dominating the sport when Griffey Bonds and Frank Thomas were running the league. It's, you know, Adam Jones is, yeah, he's one of the top players, but it's Mike Trout, Chris Bryant. Um, you know, you got Gary Sanchez this year, who's just coming up as a rookie for the Yankees. You got... The majority of the league is white. Like name, Kel, name the best black player right now. Oh man, uh, what McCutcheon had a bad year though, so I can't <laughs> name him. Yo, but he would be right. He's the latest black MVP. I mean, the, he yeah, Andrew McCutcheon, but yeah, he's having. Um, a- so he'd be the best black player. It's a down year, but he just won the MVP not too long ago. So right. McCutcheon would be the best black player. It, it's a very small list to pick from. I mean, we have, I guess, Hispanic. So if you say it's a white league, okay, cool. There's a lot of Spanish people. But even within the Spanish culture of baseball, and you say what they want, and people are like, oh, Spanish people are great in baseball. But they're not treated equal either. No. It's like, yo, the white players get to be drafted. And they get, you know, these signing bonuses and yada, yada, yada. They get to experience college. They get to do all of this. They have options. The Spanish players, you're 16, you're signing this $3 million contract for 10 years, and we're bringing you over. Yeah. Unless you're like Puig, in which they got to smuggle you out of Cuba. (laughs) There's been like 10 players that they gave fair value contracts to. Outside of that, Gary Sanchez, Gary Sanchez has been signing the Yankees since he was 16 years old. Exactly. He's banked a total of $4.5 million. They are stealing money. Albert Pujols didn't make money until he was 27. The Cardinals it's, still stole money with him. He signed a stupid contract his second time around and then had to rob the Angels of money just to get fair value for a Hall of Fame career. So Spanish players aren't treated equal in that sport either. So it's not a Spanish sport. It's still a white person sport. I mean, how many how many coaches do we have? We have, what, Dusty Baker? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we got one. We just passed around Dusty. You know, yeah. Dusty Somebody is our guy. Dusty yet? Yeah, <laughs> Dusty is our guy, but you know the landscape of baseball. Like Adam Jones is absolutely right. David Ortiz, who's probably you know who's having a banner year on, in a retirement year, um, you know, but he came out and said something. You know, he's like, "Get your money, get out," because you know he identity, he knows he's a dark skinned Latino player, and there's just there's no place. It's, it's just it's still a white man's sport. It's still what it is. So it's like you're not going to see those same protests. Just like MMA is still considered a, a white man's sport. Unfortunately, which is strange because we have so many different cultures in MMA, but it's considered an individual sport. But it's really not because you you know Dana White, who's voting for Trump, is still running the UFC. 
Exactly. So, and Cowboy Cerrone can say he's a Trump supporter publicly and it was fine. No one else has said anything politically because they're scared to death. Yeah, I highlighted that in my article. I was like, so all the Spanish and Mexican fighters and all this stuff we have now in the UFC, and no one has complained about Trump threatening to build a wall around Mexico? Like, no one's said anything about that in a post-fight? No one's used the platform? And I was like, none of black fighters say anything, you know, post-fight or anything like that? I gave uh, Tyron Woodley a shout-out, but outside of him, everybody else is silent. I mean, dead silent. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, also Aljamain Sterling, who I talked to kind of frequently, and that's and full disclosure there, is that he's very open about, you know, af- being African-American in MMA and what needs to change. Like him, uh, Rashad Evans, they're very vocal about these type of things. King Mo, who I always talk about, is vocal about. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But, you know, overall, it's like, you know. At the highest point, at the biggest platform, I don't hear anything. No. And I'm waiting, not- for, I'm waiting for Woodley because Woodley did say things and he supported – you know, Ferguson, which was in his backyard and everything like that. But when you become champion and your profile is at the highest, how much are you willing to risk? That's, now will you, now will you speak out as champion when you're looking for big money fights against GSP, when you're looking for big money fights against, you know, the Diaz, Nate Diaz or something? Will you now still cape up for those same issues when it's costing you pay-per-view points, something you didn't have to worry about before? This is what I'm looking at. Yeah, that, it's just, it's a, it's a mess, man. I mean, it's still... You know, the veil of color blindness is just not realistic. And people just need to accept the fact that people are from different cultures and you need to respect those cultures and what they go through. Um, America was not built by a bunch of white people. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was taken over by a bunch of white people. I was going to say, it was damn sure taken by them. (laughs) Yeah, so, but you have to respect so many cultures. And and this is a land of oppression. And these, you know, things like redlining, for instance, you know, I don't want to go too deep into real estate, but when you push minorities into a certain part of town and, um, you know, that shit is, is present, you know, like, um, there are so many things that happen. And I don't feel like going into too much about it. I'll probably write something about it. There's so many other things that happen other than police shooting African-Americans that are still racist in this country disenfranchisement, like, it's just a lot of shit that happens. But nobody wants to talk about that. And when Colin Kaepernick takes a knee, because he's not just taking a knee for um, Alton Sterling. He's taking the knee for everything that's happening. And, you know, Tony LaRusso questions his sincerity. Well, I question your sincerity for, for being a coach. Like, um, who are you to question that man's sincerity? Like, he can't get tired of shit and say, you know what, I'm going to do something about, about it. Word. You don't know him. He doesn't even know him. No, he was like, I was in the Bay Area at the same time. So what? You don't know that man. Did you hang out with him? Like, did like you he, have a heart? He was twenty-one heart? years old. Like, right. maybe now he's twenty-seven and is worldly and has learned. You gotta, you gotta remember, people grow up in sports, and you see things. Some people grow one way and say, you know what, I'm not going to get involved in politics. Some people get super political, and you don't have to be a superstar to do so. And Colin Kaepernick is being criticized because he's a second stringer. Like I'm, I'm, I'm more surprised he's 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 doing this as a second stringer because you know it's easy to do things. It's easier. I won't say it's easy. It's easier to be vocal when you're a superstar because people look at you as like, well, well, he carries a lot of weight. Well, who's supposed to listen to Colin Kaepernick? He's not even starting for the 49ers, who won this week and shut out the Rams, which blew my fucking five team. But we'll talk about that another time. But <laughs> <laughs> he's playing. He's, he's a backup to Blaine Gabbert, and he's decided to take a stand. And people are talking about this. Like, he's not getting paid to do this, people. Like, he was like, he's getting extra attention. 
he's not getting the right attention because you know how many teams are going to, uh, you know how many teams are interested in trading for Colin Kaepernick? Probably zero. Like he's yeah. his, if he, he if he gets cut from there, he's a wrap. He's out. Yeah, like he's considered disruptive in the locker room to a lot of coaches. So don't think of this as he's doing this to get some kind of attention because he brings more money. He's not getting a, a, a sponsorship by Mercedes by doing this. He's he's turning away sponsors. Look at Brandon Marshall. He's losing sponsors because he took a knee, and he's not even a front runner on this thing. It's like, come on, man. I don't know. I don't want to talk about this anymore. I know everybody wants to hear about combat sports, but this is. We I say that talk. every week, but we got to talk about it. I know. It's I crazy. Know. It's crazy. Um, all right, let's turn the tide then. Let's talk about hip hop before we get into the combat sports because we always try to touch on something else. And this is a little more lighthearted. So this is something that'll also probably uh, you know, piss you off, which is always great for the show. <laughs> Kanye versus Kid Cudi beef. God, I don't care about this. Oh, tell me you followed this on Twitter, though. I Kanye. Did. Kanye tried to ether him at the concert. He said, I birthed you, which isn't true. It's like, Kanye, you know, Cuddy was hot before Kanye. Actually, the whack Cuddy was on good music. Best yeah. Cuddy was before good music. Um, it's crazy to see him go back and forth. And it's all because your boy Kanye, Calabasas Kanye, is doing the album with Drake. I don't, look, I don't really understand any of this. And what I mean by understand is like, all right, Cuddy, you got something to say now. And Kanye, you got something to say back. And if the motivation here is because Kanye's doing an album with Drake, like who cares? Like I, I don't, I don't care. And it's like Kid Cudi. Look, I've never been a fan of Kid Cudi. Day and Night was a good song, and then it was like crap. Like I, oh, you're I, bugging. That first album was dope. Not a fan. Maybe I was extremely depressed with that first album. Not, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm just not a fan of Kid Cudi. Now, with that being said. I understand why people liked his first album, right? Like, I get it. I get why people enjoy Man, was Man on the Moon's first album, right? Yeah. Yeah. I get why people enjoyed that first album. And I get his influence behind 808s and Heartbreak. And it's really funny because you start looking at Kanye now and it's like, I birthed you. But then it's like, but you co-opted my entire style. Because Kid Cudi and now Travis Scott and Chance the Rapper, you can hear it all through Kanye's music. And... Because, and because Kanye's not transparent about it, like somebody like Dr. Dre is a little bit more transparent about like when you hear some when Dre rap, you're like, oh, I know who wrote that. Like you can hear it. Kanye and, and Dre won't even say anything. Like same with Diddy. I don't write rhymes. I write checks. Like same shit. <laughs> but Kanye is like making making it seem like he's the genius. No, you're you're a smart businessman and you have had a great ear for music. But you know, you kind of you got Cuddy to use him. To make you a bunch of money. So Cuddy doesn't like you. You don't like Cuddy. Whatever. I mean, it's, this isn't even tragic to me. This isn't like Jay and Dame falling out. This is like Cuddy and Kanye, two people I really don't give a shit about. And then Drake's I feel like his- this is a work, though, right? It has to be a work. Like, Cuddy has an album coming out soon. You need some pub for the album. Man, I don't know. I There's just- really no reason for them to beef. Like, he didn't do anything besides make an album with Drake. That it, might come out. It had to be something behind the scenes. Now, I, you know, being around people that have been around Kanye through my career, I've heard a lot of things that I've never written about. Um, and there, and nothing, and it's nothing, none of this is positive about Kanye. Like, I've heard a lot of shit. Um, you know, be, and, but it's a lot of things that are very transparent. He's egotistical. He's egomaniacal. And, you know, he wants the best for himself. And he, he's become, over the years, 
you look at people like Big Sean, and it's like, did Kanye really help Big Sean's career? Or did Big Sean, was he already just kind of hot and made himself better? Like, it's not like Kanye's taken an artist and has cultivated a sound around that artist to make that artist better. He gets artists, and he's like Rogue from the X-Men. Like, he touches them, takes their shit, drains them, and then they're still X-Men, but I'm the better X-Men because I have your powers now. Like, that's yeah. how I feel like Kanye's handled his career over the last, like, decade. Like, he's like that's the That's exactly oh. who Kanye is. That's amazing. Yeah, so it's like you look at him, and it, now, you know, when Cuddy says something, you know, I feel like he's, he, he has a legitimate beef but to air it out on social media, the manner in which he did, which, you know, I guess is venting frustration to a bunch of people who don't care one way or another, really, um, it's questionable. Uh, and, you know, and then Drake, you know, he, he had his thing to say at the concerts. But all this is just really dumb to me because it amounts to nothing. It amounts to a whole lot of nothing. Are they going to fight? Oh, not, <laughs> yo, that'd be great, though. <laughs> I mean, once again, I give Cuddy the advantage. He has the reach. And Kanye doesn't look like a fighter to me. No. No, Never Kanye thought. got like the dirty John Jones poke you in the eye type fighting style. Like nothing about Kanye seems like it's going down fair. There's no fair ones. No, not at all, man. He'll 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 have a fly ass entrance and exit. That's about it. Ooh, what they fought on the floating stage though. All right. From the concert. <laughs> that's that's something we need to look into. Dana White Needs to make a floating octagon and get Kanye's guy to make it. I mean, UFC 300 floating octagon. Why to make not? it happen. Kanye's blessing the combat sports world and he doesn't even know it. Yes. <laughs> this, yes. I, I just, I don't care about this beat. Unless there's, unless there's some music made out of this and I can't foresee any of it there's being no good. There's no music. No. Yeah, I don't care. They're, they're not going to diss each other on wax. That's not fun anymore. Yeah. Unless, you know, Drake did it once. You know, maybe twice against Meek Mill, and then it's it's put to bed. No one wants to diss each other anymore. There's no money in diss tracks. Pretty much. Um, all right, let's talk about actual combat sports then, and something we actually care about. Yay. WWE is starting off the show this week in combat sports. CWC finale was last night. I know you didn't watch it in real time, but you've caught up now. I watched it probably an hour after everyone else. It was good, but we were both wrong in this shit. So yeah. wrong. Yeah. Remember what I said last week? Yeah. I said <laughs> But right. as soon as soon WWE is gonna go WWE. Yeah, well, they they picked who they signed, right? And, and Ibushi and Zack Saber Jr. weren't signed. So the moment that, that Saber lost, I was like, oh Ibushi's losing. Because Grandma Talik, to in my opinion, has been pretty average in this tournament. Like I haven't been blown away by anything that he's done. He had a, the, the finale against Perkins was great, but Metallic, I was like, ah, he's cool. You know, he he did all right, but he's, he was he was he's the fourth best guy they actually signed. Right, he's like, not as good as Gargano, not as good as Ciampa. It's uh, yeah, I don't, it was so, all right. So it made sense the moment Triple H came out with the cruiserweight title. Then I was like, oh, I get it. Because if you wanted to make TJ Perkins strong and then you want to debut the Cruiserweight title at the Night of Champions or the Clash of Champions pay-per-view. It debuts on Monday, actually, by the way. Well, yeah, but I said if you want, if you want to keep TJ Perkins strong, debut the title, have the title match at the pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. yeah. You would have had TJ Perkins beat Kota Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. However, if you're going to have them compete for the title 
on the CWC, it makes sense to have two guys that you signed because you don't want two guys that you didn't sign or either one of them to compete in the championship match. So it all makes sense from a business perspective. Now, from a logic perspective, the two best guys lost last night quickly. Now, Perkins is great. I always thought TJ Perkins was really good. But, you know, and he had a great match with Kota Ibushi. But Ibushi and Sabre were the two front runners to win this thing. But they're not they signed. Were the best, they were the best two wrestlers in the tournament. Yeah. I mean, but, I uh, mean they look great. Cedric Alexander excluded. Right. Cedric, I mean, Cedric looked phenomenal. And the tag match they had last night was pretty damn good, too. But, yeah, ultimately, um, the right guy that they signed won, is, is what I'll say about that. The right guy that they signed. Because the guy, the guy who should have won should have been, either been Ibushi or Sabre. But I knew for yeah, the moment I that... I mean, I would have loved Cedric to win it then if you're just going after guys who they signed. I don't think they had a clue that Cedric was going to be that good. I thought they thought he was going to be good. But it, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that Triple H... When he put Kota Ibushi over Cedric in that match and was like, all right, we're booking it this way. And then he saw the match, he would have been like, shit, maybe I booked this. Save this. Yeah. Right. So I don't think he knew, but I think they saw it with TJ Perkins because TJ's been wrestling for a long, long time. And, and he's, he's still pal- really young, right? Yeah. 20, I mean, he, he's my age, I think. 28. I think he's 28 years old. He's been wrestling for about 15 years. So yeah, it's so like crazy. So the right guy won. Um, how this, how this, Changes when you know when Raw is already seemingly crowded. Crowded roster gets a bunch of cruiserweights now. I, I'm like I don't know. I don't. I'm kind of flabbergasted because I'm looking at SmackDown like, eh, like what? You guys have nothing. Uh, I like SmackDown actually. Um, you know it's it's top heavy. I guess is the best way to put it. But I like SmackDown. I like the two hour show. I like that they're letting people shine, and we'll talk about this week's SmackDown here in a second. I really like the direction they're going. They're just two, three athletes away. Yeah, for And what? some people bricked out, and, you know, they thought some people would be better than they were. I'm not sold on Corbin, not sold on Cruz. Those guys they invested heavily in bricked out and are bricking out. So we don't know. Maybe the NXT people come up, help save that. Samoa Joe would do wonders in SmackDown. Um, Raw, though, you got to earn your spot now. Raw is just like the WWE was before the brand split. Nothing is given. Everything is earned. Yeah, I mean, all right. So before we actually talk about Raw and SmackDown, and, well, let's talk. What's next for Ibushi and Sabre Jr.? And and I'm going to start. I'm going to preface it with this. Sabre Jr., I understand that him not being signed. He's still, you know, he wrestles at Progress. He still wrestles at PWG. He still does his rounds. Um, I think he wrestled at a card over the weekend in uh, Cleveland before UFC 203 as well. He's still making his rounds. Obushi, I'm really confused how the WWE hasn't signed him yet. He was at NXT TakeOver in Dallas in April. What? How is he not signed to the roster? Like, I don't understand what's going on here. Well, I think they no different than Nakamura. It took, what, five months before he officially came over? Because he just had to get living expenses, places to live, blah, blah, blah. All that settled. And I think when they sign Ibushi, the fact that the Cruiserweight people being signed are going straight to the main roster, they had to, one, speak English, and two, have characters. Grandma Talik does. He has a translator. Okay, but he has a mask. <laughs> so you can be Spanish. They'll let you talk Spanish as long as you're a luchador. You're fine. That, that's all good. Just keep the mask on. Don't say anything. I, I've heard Sin Carter say two words 
So yeah. it doesn't even matter. Like, you got a mask, you're protected from that. Um, Abushi isn't. So Abushi's going to have to go through NXT, and I think that's where he lands, which is why he didn't win, which is why his contract is still a little murky, because Triple H is going to keep him in NXT and let him grow through there to build his fan base, a character, and whatever else he needs. Yeah. So I, I, I think Abushi stays in NXT. Zack Sabre Jr., I think he enters the tournament again next year. Hmm. Oh, that's, that's very possible. It's a long I, time from now, though. It is. It is. I mean, well, it's next summer. They, it goes in a blink. But I think he's one of the people you could really sell on. He was so close. Can he win it this time? It's a good narrative going into next year. Yeah, see, I'm just not sure. You know, with Sabre, Sabre's so good, and he's so unique as a talent that, you know, when the UFC does finally decide to sign him, uh, I'm curious what they'll end up doing with him because I think he's a perfect candidate to go to NXT and do some things. Um, with it, if, if right, NXT so has an even further depleted roster in the next six to eight months, Sabre would be perfect to, to perfect guy to, to compete there with guys like Bobby Roode and um, whoever the hell else they decide to bring, bring in. Um, yeah, the, the whole Abushi thing. I'm just like oh, well, him versus I mean, Austin Aries would be a great feud though. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with Saber. Like Saber has, there's a, there's just a ton of shit you can do with him. Um, so I'm, I'm curious. So let's talk about backlash because backlash is one of the things that also happened this past weekend. Um, what did you think of this pay per view? I have low expectations, and it surpassed my expectations. But looking back on it, to me, it could have been better. Um. It seemed like it went really quick. Is that mm. weird? Like, I it, it flew by. Uh, I liked the, the highlight to me was, of course, AJ Styles winning, um, which I believe is a highlight to most people yeah. uh, on this pay-per-view. And Ambrose put in a really good match. I'll say that. Um, the women's match, it was cool. It had its spots. Six people is just a lot. And... SmackDown has a different kind of weird camera angle where they zoom in a lot. Right. It's not very conducive to a six-person match. Yeah, um, a lot of stuff going on. The Usos versus Hype Bros was whack. Uh, Miz Ziggler was the chicken fighting the Colonel. Uh, I don't know where Ziggler goes from here. I, that's a lost cause. <laughs> in two pay-per-views, since the brand split, he's fallen completely off the earth back to Jobber Ziggler. Um... Wyatt lost to Kane, which I'm still wondering how the hell that happens. Bray Wyatt's just never going to win again. All right, I'll take the L on that. And Heath Slater is getting a double wide. So, I, yeah. I, that's not a real tag team. Like, how do you give the first inaugural championships to some people who aren't a real tag team? <laughs> All right. You're right. Um but they, they, they're going with the hot hand, and Slater has the hot hand. So here, here's what happened. Here's my opinion. Was Backlash a bad show? No. The caveat here is AJ Styles and, and AJ Styles really carried the show. That last 30 minutes of AJ Styles versus Ambrose is what people were waiting for. Miz versus Ziggler wasn't bad either. I thought Ziggler did well, and I like – like the Miz is actually turning in one of those performances. I think I said this in our group chat. That makes the WWE think they can put him back at the top of the card and have him headline at WrestleMania, but they can't because he's not that good. He's a perfect intercontinental champion heel. 
that's what he is. He's no further than that. You can't, like, I have a feeling because SmackDown's roster is so thin, and it really showed on this pay-per-view. Once Randy Orton got hurt, it was like, and, and American Alpha was out, the pay-per-view was really like an extended episode of Raw, if you really think about it. Because the matches Definitely. were... I haven't seen Kane in months. Yeah, like, Orton gets hurt, Kane comes out, and Wyatt loses when Orton comes out with an RKO. Oh, okay, whatever. The Hype Bros versus the Usos? That's like a WWE Superstars match. That's not a Smack. <laughs> that's not a SmackDown pay-per-view match. Granted, I do like that the Usos are heel again. And I say again because I completely forgot they were heel when they first debuted. And I actually was watching a pay-per-view from 2010 when the Usos debuted with Tamina against uh, Tyson Kidd and David Hart Smith with Natalia. And I was like, they were heel? And they weren't really good heels then. But I kind of I like their heel antics now. They're but, better than being a face. Oh yeah, I hated them as faces. But with that being said, it goes. But you look at the you look at SmackDown as a whole. It's like, couldn't they use the cruiserweight? I mean, not even like couldn't they use something? Because the tag team division is super thin. Like it's just when when Rhino and Heath Slater are the champs, and you're really struggling to find a tag team to, for them to face with American Alpha hurt. What do you do? Like, who is the next up? Why'd you build the VOD villains then? This is my question in my head. Like, why spend that time building the VOD villains to not use them at all? It doesn't make any sense. The Ascension is terrible. They've always been terrible. They'll always be terrible. The Hype Bros are WWE superstars at main event. They're, like, they're not, they're not pay-per-view status. So it's American Alpha or a bust, pretty much. Like, you just got lucky with he Slater catching fire like he did with the fans. But once that fire fizzles out, you have the Usos. An American Alpha, and those that's are, it. That's it. That's it. That is absolutely it. And to build a tag team division, to have belts for that is ridiculous. The women's side of things is a little bit more promising. Um, I did enjoy the women's match. I thought it was a great opener. There was some really klutzy, clumsy things in the middle. Like it, it seemed like there were times where women were looking around, like trying to figure out what to do next. Um, but I think you know they're. Like I said, like their middle talent is better than than Raw's middle talent. Like Raw's top heavy with their talent. Like they have anybody can be the champion there. Becky, the right woman won. Becky Lynch won. Um, but I think you got so, a few feuds that are interesting to watch. But other than that, and AJ Styles being the champ, I'm like, I'm just looking at this like, dude, we got to do twelve more of these at least. SmackDown pay per views. Ooh, this this is gonna be tough. If anybody else gets hurt, yeah, they are really in trouble. Like, really in trouble. No, they're thin. Thin, thin, thin. Like, you can't get any thinner, which is weird, and we'll talk about SmackDown, but to have a triple threat for the main title at your next pay-per-view, it's like, that's a little risky when you're already super thin. Exactly. I mean, you got to find things for spread other people. Spread out the talent. Yeah, spread out the talent. Um, I mean, Ambrose carried the belt. He doesn't need a rematch. He could have just gone on to a different he- feud. But then that's the question. Who does he feud with? That's what's so bizarre about SmackDown right now is that they haven't built anybody up that was like mid-card. Like, I'm I'm perfectly fine if Ambrose and The Miz would feud. I'm fine. I would have been fine with that. But they're not going to go that route. No. So I mean, that'd be the next good feud. I mean, The Miz is perfect for up-and-coming, I guess, face to take on. But Apollo Crews isn't ready. He bricked out. And then, what, Ambrose and Corbin probably would have been the program, but Corbin hasn't been on television in weeks. 
and he's just not that good, dude. Like they, like they, this is what they're finding out. They're finding out like they're hedging. They were hedging their bets. They were like, all right, we're gonna do this draft. We're gonna take these NXT guys because let's be honest, American Alpha isn't as hot as they were in NXT either. So it's like you're putting this talent in SmackDown and you're hoping that they can carry, or, or hoping that they can fare better than they did when there was no brand split. So you look at Apollo Cruz, for instance, and you're like, well. He does, it does him no good to be on Raw. Maybe he can be a star on SmackDown. No, he can't be a star on SmackDown because you're booking him like shit and he hasn't developed a personality that makes you care. Baron Corbin sucks, whatever. Kalisto, I guess, is hurt. Absolutely no reason for him to ever be on SmackDown. Why is he not in the Cruiserweight division on Raw is like the dumbest thing ever. Makes uh, no sense. It's stupid. And then they just brought Jack Swagger over. What? Okay. So I guess you can now just quit one brand and go to the other? If your contract expires, right, the quote fingers, but yeah, ultimately, understand that. Ultimately, before we start talking about raw, the nuances of raw and SmackDown, it's just like backlash was like a really long version. It was just a a raw episode with a great main event, and kudos AJ Styles. He, I mean, this guy at this point, he's my wrestler of the year. Best Ambrose match in what a year or two? Yeah, but it's and it's and it's like. We say and it, that every time someone wrestles AJ Styles. That's the exactly. same thing about Roman Reigns when they fought. It's, exactly. It's it's not it's not because I think somebody there were people were like Ambrose carried that match. No, he didn't. AJ Styles is the best talent. Him and, and Seth Rollins are the two best talents on on in wrestling. Period. Well, well if Rollins can stop hurting people, right? But that, therein lies the problem. Is Rollins hurts people? But AJ Styles, when has this man had a bad match? Like he's just he's too good. He's, he's like another level of good now. So now it's like him beating Ambrose was absolutely the right thing to do. And then I questioned him being a heel. I was absolutely wrong. This guy's been marvelous as a heel. Like everything he does is like – he took a program with Ambrose that was – it was a shit show. Like the crotch shots and all that. But he made this, this excellent match. And he came out on SmackDown and just was great, which we'll discuss in a second. But the right guy won. It's just they need to – like Sheamus, Cesaro, Sami Zayn, like those guys need to go to SmackDown. That that they need help bad. I mean, Sami Zayn definitely. I mean, what dive into Raw now? Sami Zayn is going into a program with Chris Jericho. It's Which, like a one-off program. I don't mind it though. He needs something to do, and I think I I've actually really enjoyed Jericho in this particular role, role right now. These new oh, I do not like I do not like French aristocrat looking Jericho. Dude, I love super long infinity scarf and the stupid funny looking goatee. I love it. I love the promos. I love it. I love drinking in man. Like I love what Jericho was doing, and Jericho is one of the few talents on the roster that. Still carries a lot of clout and is just constantly willing to put people over. So I have no problem with this program because Sami Zayn should win this program. But um, should should is the key word. Yeah, but I mean, this is this is all Jericho does is make he makes things meaningful. Like when AJ Styles and Jericho had a feud, it meant something. Granted, the, the matches weren't that great because Jericho is aging, but Jericho makes things worth watching. Like you're you're intrigued regardless of whether you like him or hate him. Jericho is a, a good talent. He's not a guy that you look at and you roll your eyes when he comes on the screen. So, I'm I'm cool with this. Um, but let's talk about the beginning of Raw. So we had this weird. What? I, all right. Can you tell me what they're doing with Charlotte and Dana Brooke? 
okay, they're setting them up for a feud. Why? Because Charlotte needs something to do when she drops the title. Does this mean now we get super heel Sasha to face Bailey going forward? Probably. Which I don't mind that. Uh, see, here, here's, here's what I think happened. So, all right, Raw starts. We have um, Sasha, Charlotte, Dana, uh, Bailey, and a little fallout. Dana smacks Charlotte. Now, I fi- this is what I think happened. About a week ago, Vince, Triple H sat around and they looked at Nia Jax and they was like, nope. <laughs> like, that, that's exactly what I think they did. Nope, she ain't ready. So, if Charlotte is going to drop this title, she needs to feud with somebody. So we need to rush this breakup with her and Dana Brooke. Like, I feel like everything is really rushed right now. Because uh, there's a lot of women to fit in. Well, it's not even a lot of women to fit in because it's problematic. Because to put all three of these women in a triple threat match, it's kind of like blowing your load on next year's WrestleMania match in the women's division for Raw. Like, they're doing this really soon. And once they exhaust this, once they exhaust Sasha, Charlotte, Bailey, where they trade belts up until the Royal Rumble or whatever happens, like, this is, they're, they're going too fast. But I think, again, it's because certain talent isn't developing. And Nia Jax isn't the monster they wanted her to be. And because of that, they got to use uh, Dana Brooke. Like, I mean, please, I hope Emma comes back soon because Emma is the perfect talent that could fit in this division and, and kind of spread things out. We, well, they, Emma Page we, comes back next week. Yeah, Paige, whatever. She got a tattoo of Alberto Del Rio on her. This is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I but love it, that in our group chat you pointed out Alberto's not even his real name. <laughs> it's so it's so ridiculous. Um, but this the like the kickoff to Raw, like I was like, all right, this is cool. I'm just like, man, it just feels like they're really racing through these matchups right now. What I should be I should be yearning for you know, uh, uh, a Bailey and Sasha or Charlotte match, I shouldn't get it so fast. I feel like they're just kind of blowing their load on these things really quick. Well, there's a lot of pay-per-views. This shit comes quick. It's true. It's so, true. I mean, you, you, they're building storylines not over, you know, three pay-per-views, but pay-per-view by pay-per-view by pay-per-view, which is really the problem. Because it wouldn't bother me that if each program went two pay-per-views and then culminated at the split brand pay-per-view and then two pay-per-views and then culminate at the next split brand pay-per-view that'd be fine with me it's not how they're doing no they're just kind of i mean they're really running through stuff um what else do we have we had you know kevin owens uh and roman reigns well i mean we'll just sprint to the main event and then we'll work around the rest of the card so i like Seth Rollins and Mick Foley's exchanges. I like Seth Rollins just being like, dude, screw you. I'm going to do what I want. I was so happy to see Rusev come back. Because after, in my mind, when they, they booked Sami Zayn in, for Chris Jericho's highlight reel, I was like, well, shit, Jericho's got something to do now. I was really worried that Roman Reigns was going to beat Kevin Owens and he was going to be put into the triple threat match. Because I figured if that was going to happen, I thought it would be Roman Reigns and Chris Jericho. But bringing, bringing Rusev back put a big-ass smile on my face because I don't want to see Roman Reigns anywhere near that title right now. Nowhere near it. Keep him far, far away from it. Yeah, hell no. Nah. I thought he was actually, when the match restarted, I was like, oh, damn it. He's going to win. It's going to be a triple threat match. Yep. I was like, I am not happy about this. And then Rusev comes back out. Rusev looks strong, which is good. You know what? They're going to set him up for the fall, but that's fine. 
Roman, if they want him to have a title, he can have that title. But right now, Rusev, he, he looked good again. This is the Rusev I like to see. Just go in there and crush people. Lana was looking fine up on the ramp. That's how it should end. Kevin Owens oh. takes his title and goes away. Him and Seth can go one-on-one again. And hopefully, Kevin keeps the title throughout this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I hope Kevin keeps it as well. Um, we still haven't seen Triple H, though. So th- there's something coming with Triple H. Because we haven't seen Triple H. Uh, did we, was Stephanie even on the show this week? No, she wasn't, right? No, I didn't see Stephanie. Uh, Triple H, well, he had a busy day on Wednesday. He wasn't right. going to be on the show. But I think... Which, by the way, the heel Triple H, heel Stephanie, is really for the birds at this point. Yeah. Like, just, just end the charade. We all love them on Wednesdays. Yeah. Um, just give up on it. And I, I think they're going that way with Triple H, at least. It's like Triple H is now defending his guys. And Rollins mentions it. His chosen guys, the NXT guys. Well, so I mean, that's a good way to go. But outside for, of that, I don't want to see stupid heel stuff for the sake of being heel. For all intents and purposes, as much as we enjoy Triple H handing Kevin Owens the title, it was still a heel move. Like it still it was ultimately a heel move. They turned Seth Rollins' face and kept Roman Reigns as a face. So he's still a dick, right? Now we're just trying to figure out who's siding with who because Mick Foley is the babyface in in the power struggle. And because we don't know where Stephanie is because we, we expected to side with her husband and we know Triple H went with uh, Kevin Owens. So it's going to be interesting how they play this dynamic. Now, I don't want to see this dynamic play out for a long time. Right. Like, I don't want to see the authority dominate this storyline. I want to see it really be between Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. And if they can't if if. This match at Clash of Champions ends in like a DQ or I don't care. I'm fine with that because that's kind of what I want. Like I want this thing to go on a little bit longer. I don't want it to just end quickly. And I don't want to see – I don't want Roman Reigns to go over on Rusev. I think Rusev, just like before, is much better as a U.S. champion. He's he's a guy that makes the title work for him. And and it's useful for Rusev. Roman Reigns don't need no damn title. What's the point? Just because Vince loves Roman. They're just going to give him a belt. They just like seeing Roman with gold on his shoulder. It's just so stupid, man. Cause he's just, like, Roman Reigns isn't a bad wrestler, but he's gotta, he has to go through his shit at this particular time. With Kevin Owens being the title holder, Rollins chasing that title, um, and Rusev being strong as a U.S. champ, putting, you know, if the idea is to get Roman Reigns back in the title hunt, you got it's got to be a slow build. Like I don't think you just throw another title on him and think it's going to everything's going to be okay. Cuz people still boo this man. So I don't know if he's got to go through a losing streak. I don't know if the, you know, it has I, he, I mean, I don't think he has been booed that much. I mean, they cheer him a little bit more, of course. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. It just depends I on mean, what city you're in, too. As man. long as he's not going for a major title, it seems like they're not booing the hell out of him. Yeah, I don't know. I I just like I like Rusev with the title. I just I like Rusev. I'm a Rusev fan. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like to see Rusev with a title. I like to see Rusev and Lana. The image of this Bulgarian with the U.S. title is, is just fascinating to me. So I enjoy it. Um, what else do we have on Raw? Is there anything worth talking about? Um, outside of that, what we had women, Rusev, Zayn, the club beat the New Day. Again, um, yeah. Which just makes me think the New Day is going to retain again. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that means, though. Like, <laughs> the New Day is approaching the all-time record for a tag team championship run. Um, I think that's 481 by the demolition. The New Day is at, like, 362. That's a hop, yeah. skip, and a jump. And it, it really is. 
And if the club can't take the belts off of them, no one else is. Because Enzo and Cass isn't ready. They're entering a program with uh, the Puerto Ricans. I don't even know their name. The Shining Stars. The Shining Stars. I don't. Team Mofongo. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, that's that's what they are at this point. Like, man, I, I don't care. Good. Enzo and Cass can win a feud, though. That is needed. No more, you know, big Cass indie run, solo run or anything. So, good. But the New Day is just going to hold the belts and just do nothing with them. And yeah. That comes from me liking the New Day. But they don't need the titles anymore. They're um, super over. They don't need the belts. Let's let's be – I want to ask you, and just be honest. Is the New Day thing getting a little old to you? Uh, no, but they have no competition. It's it's not as fun anymore because there's no real rivalry. Exactly. Like, they have no one to genuinely beef with or talk about. They've beat everyone. They've like, cleared out the division. It's and, and with the brand split – it makes it even less likely for them to lose to anybody but the club. They could lose to Enzo and Cass eventually, but again, it's the same thing I just said about SmackDown and the same thing I just said about the women's division. Once you run through all these things, then what? Because what before the brand split, there was brand split, there were certain talents that were already at the top. And this brand split hasn't made any middle talent rise to the top. Have you noticed that? Like the the whole thing for the brand split was to give lower mid card talent a boost, but no mid card talent has gotten a boost. They're well, no all one's grabbing the, the brass ring. They're not even being Quote given unquote. the brass ring. No one's grabbing it though. Like, come on, someone could do something to shoot. You can't tell me that you can't do anything. When I just saw Heath Slater in a month and a half work his way into title contention. But people felt sorry for Heath Slater. And then Regardless, the, the, he played it perfectly. He did something. Apollo but, Crews can't get some sympathy. I know no. the man ain't got kids. It'd be like I'm a poor black man. Do something. <laughs> but that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like the, the, the rosters, the branch split has done nothing to enhance the middle talent. Like it it's it's and I and I can't blame the talent anymore. Like I'm I'm concerned about the booking. Because the mid-card talent that they, they chose to rise up for SmackDown to, to get a better look was Dolph Ziggler. And then what did they do with Dolph Ziggler is they had him lose a pretty heatless match with Dean Ambrose and then follow that up with another loss in the Miz. Now, if you want to do something, you turn him heel and reboot him. That's the way to handle Dolph Ziggler. But when it comes to all the other middle talent, like the other middle tag teams, like the Shining Stars aren't getting a boost. Like nobody's getting a boost. Like they need, like a lot of these guys need character changes in these new roles. Baron Corbin, uh, Apollo Crews, Nia Jax—they're not panning out. They're not moving fast enough to catch up to the rest of the, the top tier talent. We got John. We'll talk about SmackDown in a second, but John Cena is back in the title picture already. Quick, it's, and he damn near might win it. Talk about it, record setting. And it, when you look at that, like Bray Wyatt loses again. Nothing is happening with this brand split. It's the same people going over. Without that was going over without the brand split. All you're basically having is AJ Styles is the champ, but AJ Styles was just as hot without the title when he was feuding with John Cena before the brand split. You know what I'm saying? Like this is what they, like they're doing. They're not doing anything but moving laterally and splitting people apart. And it's not. It's just. It's not working. It's not working. And I don't see how this thing can continue to work. I, Enzo and Cass, once they get their shot at the title. 
then what do they do? They go back to feuding with the Shining Stars? Dude, it's not, it's not a good look. No, I mean, and so far, they've kind of jobbed out to the Shining Stars. I have hope that this is leading to something bigger. And the Shining Stars have to win a little bit to look, you know, at least like a challenge to Enzo and Cass, which we all know they're not. But that's the problem, because if the, if the Shining Stars are in a legit competition... Then it's like, well, if it, once, once Enzo and Cass are done with the Shining Stars, if the Shining Stars are, don't get put over in this feud, which we all believe, we all know that they won't be put over in this feud, Enzo and Cass's next step is to either is to feud with the New Day or feud with the club. There's really nowhere else for them to go. No, there's only three legit tag teams. This is what happens when you split people up. <laughs> all the tag teams should be on one, and all the women should be on one, like you said. But instead, we have four belts for what? Total between brands, we have four legit tag teams, and we have about seven legit women. And we have two, four belts for that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. For that thing. It's crazy. It's like, okay, we know who's going to hold the belt for the next four years, damn near. It's, it's Give or take some influx from NXT. It is, it is pretty ridiculous. It is. It's sad and ridiculous. So, is there too many belts? Are you? Do you like the cruiserweight belt is about to debut as well? Yeah, I think the belt count is up to like nine or something ridiculous. So, U.S. title, IC title, World Championship, Universal Championship, um, both women's, women's titles. That so we have tags. seven titles. No, right? No, we have both tags. Right. No, God, we're damn. at nine. Nine champions and there's like fifty people on the roster, and then like only ten of them can complete P for titles. So, dude, it's it's too much. Have nine belts. How are they going to work pay per views like the joint pay per views? Every How match do you the defend title. nine titles? You, I don't know, I, dude. I don't know. Like I, every I match that, is a title match. Do you have champions versus champions? Because yeah. at this point, you have to at, at some regard. To just fit in the other talent? Or do you tell talent, if you're not a champion, you're not on Royal Rumble. You're not on Survivor Series. You're not at Mania. If you're not a champion mm. or contending. I hate to say this, but it's going to happen. There are going to be championships to, you know, competed for on the pre-show. And the first one that I figure will get in, 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 in a, uh, like a Survivor Series or a Royal Rumble setting will probably be the SmackDown Tag Team title will probably be the one that's competed for on a pre-show. And the SmackDown Women's title. Well, no, no. I think the next one will probably, if Roman Reigns is involved with Rusev, I think they'll, because the Miz is the hotter of the middle, middle titles now. Like, I see, like, the Miz is hot right now. So yeah, I can see but the, not, if, not if Roman carries the well, that's US what I'm saying. title. Like if, if Rusev beats Reigns, which I think would be the smart thing to do, I don't know how they book him next, and he could be fighting on a pre-show. Like, the Cruiserweight title has to be competed for on a pay-per-view. Like, you can't diminish that title that quick. Um, and, you know, and the WWE's rationale for all this would be, well, we're trying to make people watch the pre-show. Man, screw that. Y'all, y'all give us too much wrestling as it is. I don't need to watch your pre-show. So don't put any titles on a pre-show. You automatically make it a middling title. You diminish the value of that title. Um, there's too many titles. Anyway, uh, SmackDown. So Raw was long. Nothing. I mean, ultimately, did you enjoy Raw? Uh, no, I fast-forwarded through most of it on my Hulu. So I was like, nah, I watched more of SmackDown than I watched of Raw. I watched the entire SmackDown show. That's not hard to watch an entire SmackDown show. No, because after, like, I watch it all on Hulu on Wednesdays. 
it comes out to like 84 minutes. I can do that. <laughs> An entire Raw is still like two hours and some change. It's, but, it's a lot. That's a lot. So, so let's fast forward button. So let's talk about SmackDown because right off the bat, what do you remember about SmackDown? I mean, Cena's back. Yay. That's that's what I saw. Cena's back. I like the opening segment with Cena, Styles. Um, Ambrose could have, you know, been left off, but whatever. He's back in the title picture. But Cena and Styles, Cena always comes out. He says some real shit to Styles every time. Yeah. I, I liked it. You know, the whole, you had to cheat to win. I'm, you know, I'm going to tie Ric Flair, blah, blah, blah. Like that. That was cool. They have a good dynamic between those two. I mean, Ambrose, I, I enjoyed Ambrose shitting on Cena. I enjoyed Ambrose shitting on Cena. I liked Cena it, actually. Cena kind of shit on him with the whole did. Stone Cold was right. Yeah, he did. And, and I think what I'm getting out of this is AJ Styles is going to retain the title, and Cena and Ambrose will engage in a few. And Styles against Orton is my guess, then, if that's yes. your prediction. Yep, that is exactly my prediction. I, I think... And Bray is going to get beat in a one-off and go where? <laughs> the hell. Um, <laughs> That's damn poor Bray. I thought Bray was going to get a title shot with this they, brand split and finally elevate him. Look, if if they wanted to do this smart, and this is just me spitballing here, I'd make a trade. I'd trade Bray Wyatt to Raw for Cesaro and Zane. I feel like Bray Wyatt, he could be utilized better on Raw. I'm not um, mad at that. Because... I, because Bray, Bray's not a guy who needs a title, but he needs a win. But there's nobody for him to beat in SmackDown. You take him to Raw, he can he can beat Roman Reigns in a few that don't need to do that right now. But he could beat Chris Jericho, or he could beat Sheamus, or he. I mean, there are people that he could beat, and you'd be like, all right, cool. SmackDown is just so thin; there's really nowhere to put him. So it's like to do a two for one trade, I'd do it. Cesaro and Zayn, because Cesaro and Zayn have so much more value. Entering into the, either title picture on SmackDown than they do just being in the best of seven series and being on a highlight reel on Raw. Well, I mean, if they enter into SmackDown, they're immediately the favorite for an IC title match versus yeah, the Miz. Absolutely. I, I mean, and you could do that with, and I'm totally fine with doing that with Sami Zayn. Like Sami Zayn is too good to be what what to do what they've been doing with him. Cesaro the same, but Cesaro is a guy that. You know, everybody's looking at him, and he's like, can he be champion sooner or later? Like, a Cesaro and heel Ziggler feud, I'd like to see it. I think they, they put on a good show. Heel Ziggler needs to come back. It's his damn Twitter handle, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> yeah, it's about that time. When, listen, once you dress up as the KFC colonel and still lose and job out, it's time to go heel. Yeah, so... I mean, what else is that are memorable here? So Ambrose, he gave Cena the dirty deeds at the end. whoop de doo The Miz That's came out tag team with AJ Styles, whatever. And it, I mean, I guess you got to find any way to draw heat to AJ Styles that you can right now because he's just he's insanely over healer face. It just doesn't matter. He's too good. Yeah. Um, Alexa Bliss, number one contender. I like it. I like it, too. She has to step up her wrestling still a bit, and she's, you know, smaller, so it's I guess she has to sell more when you're smaller. You can only do so many things physically on the offensive end. Right. But outside of that, on the mic and everything like that, the character, she got it going. I like it. She's, she's hitting her stride. And then uh, what did she say? You know, on Talking Smash, she told Daniel Bryan, I am nothing like you. Like, They're talking about like, 
Yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, that's dope. I like it. I, I like it. swag to her. I'm not mad. Uh, Apollo Cruz is still MIA after losing on the pre-show of Backlash. Yeah, and then he and lost. He's, he's oh my god, just smiling about losses. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, if you had to put your money down on it, you had to pick like a good time frame. I'd say give or take a month. When do we get the next black champion? Oh my god! And I'll, I'll throw. I see heavyweight. No, I see world or universal. So I'm giving you three belts. When do we get the next black champion? Well, universal, that's not going to happen. Because um, what? Vince is too proud of Raw to give it to a black guy? I mean, who's on Raw that can compete for the heavyweight title that's black? Big E. Big E won't compete for a heavyweight title this soon. They, they're pretty clogged no. up top. That but, tells you how much, how far away I think the next black champion is though we, we are pretty damn far but but that being said Big E will hold the next title outside of the tag team titles Big E will get a singles run this is this is like inevitable Big E I, this is well it's not inevitable because it's WWE they can do whatever yeah. the hell they want but, but the, U, the US title don't count to me though well then shit then he's not getting a major title that's the title he'll get <laughs> he'll get okay. his hands on the US title but the, the IC title like the Smackdown titles Nope. Nope. Because Apollo Crews ain't getting it. Who else is there? Nobody. Uh, the Universal title, Big E ain't competing for that. So Big E will get the U.S. title. because he'll, Not many he, black people. I mean, Jason Jordan's solo run. That ain't um, happening anytime soon. He needs Gable. Desperately. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who else is black and wrestling. Uh, Cruiserweight championship doesn't count for me. Because if not, that be the next black champion. Because I think Cedric Alexander grabs that. Now I think Rich Swan gets it before Alexander. Well, listen, we get a black guy holding it, but yeah. I don't count that up there with the prestige level. I just don't think TJ Perkins is like this. All right, real quick, because we've talked about wrestling way too much and everything else. We got all these other things to talk about. TJ Perkins will hold that title, and I think Neville turns heel to eventually compete for that title. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I mean, I think he faces Neville in this first pay-per-view. Beats Neville clean, and then we see the rematch. What's next out there? Survivor Series? Yeah, no, I don't think it happens at this pay per view. I think he rematches with Grand Vitale because I think the WWE has it in their head. It's weird, but I think they, they have to do this, this that match again because it was so good on a pay per view. And then. Yeah, and a lot of people don't watch CWC on the network, and right. they got to introduce it to casual fans. So Agreed. then. Then, then you put Neville in the picture at Survivor Series if that's right you're going to go. Because Neville's doing actually nothing. Bo Dallas has shit to do and Neville doesn't. So. Well, I think they have another pay-per-view before Survivor Series, actually. They have an October one. Oh, man. So, really? I forgot. Yeah, so it's this September one. Neville takes the L in October. November Survivor Series, they, they re-up. Neville wins. Whatever. All right. Um, yeah, so no black champion in the works. That's our wrestling segment. It ends on a down point. We start talking about Kaepernick and standing up for you know racial rights and all this stuff, and we end with the WWE won't have a black champion for at least another five years. So take it for what you want. We've come full circle in the argument. Um, when we come back after a quick word about our sponsors and how you guys can help us on the show by taking a survey, when we come back, we're going to talk boxing because we actually have good boxing to talk about. 
Yes, we do. And we have to brief, preview another card coming up this weekend. So you guys stay tuned. Listen up, because we need help putting out the show that you love for free every week, giving it free to the people. Now we know nobody likes filling out surveys, but we really need you to do it. It won't take you more than five minutes, and besides helping out the show, you'll be entered for a chance to win a $100 iTunes gift card. You know what I can do with $100 on iTunes? I'm living life large on iTunes with that, and you guys get that just for helping us out. We know some of you may have already done surveys like this in the past, but we really need you to log in and fill this thing out as accurately as possible. Yeah, man. I mean, once we know more about you, we'll be able to deliver the show and the sponsors you dream about. Finding sponsors who are a good fit means we're going to give you the deals and information the brands you care about while keeping this show free to enjoy every week. Free to enjoy every week. It means you don't have to pay to subscribe for nothing. All right. If you don't care about helping us and making the show better, do it for the chance to win a free iTunes or Amazon.com gift card. Right. You know, like do it for free. Do it for the gifts. And if there's not, you know, just think about it. If there's not that many of you doing it, there's a better chance to win. So please do us this solid and go to the cornersurvey.com. Once again, that's the cornersurvey.com. Do that. Keep the lights on for us. Let us cater to what you need. You know, you can tell us what you like and what you don't like, and then we can keep it all funky and knock this thing out. I know the Corner Club got our back. You guys are going to fill out that survey. We're going to get more ads. We're going to be bringing you this for free for a long, long time. So shout out to y'all. What up, everybody? Welcome back. Thank you guys for taking time out. Make sure you guys fill out that survey. It's very important to the show. We're trying to bring you free content. And this is how we do it. Make sure you guys fill out the survey. Get us more sponsors so we can go around. We're still looking for that dope live show. You know, we have WrestleMania coming up again. Maybe Royal Rumble. We're trying to get the corner out to the people. We want to see you guys. We want you guys to be on the show. We're trying to get that budget up. This is how you guys can help. So make sure you guys keep that in mind. But now, like I said, we're talking boxing. Mm-hmm. And we had Triple G versus Kell Brook. Which turned out to be a very exciting fight for five rounds. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, it was 2-2, by the way. I had it 2-2. And turned the fifth. I had it 3-1. But... In favor of? Golovkin. Oh, okay. You're in the minority, so it's not like I'm asking a crazy question. I you mean... had it 3-1 in favor of Brooke. Who? How? What a lot rounds? of people had it. Well, first off, one judge had it 3-1 in favor of Brooke. And... A lot of people via social media, I'm not sure if you're watching live or not, had it 3-1 in favor of Brooke. And I had it 2-2 and people were looking at me side-eyed. I, I don't see. I don't see how it could be 3-1. 2-2 I can see. Because it was about to be 3-2. with Golub- It was about to be over any way that you looked at it. But. There, okay. Brooke, Brooke had. Uh, what rounds were really solid for Brooke? I'd have to go back and look. It was not the first because he got, he got clipped in the first. No, I think it was two and three, and I had Golovkin one and four. Yeah, see, I gave I gave Brooke the second, I believe, and that's it. Um, but I thought the third was really close. So, all right, so here's the, here's the dilemma. So the fight happens. People go, Gennady looked vulnerable against Kell Brook. And then I have people hitting me and says that you know, Canelo will eat Gennady's lunch, and Gennady wasn't impressive, and blah, blah, blah. Here's my problem with this statement. Gennady Golovkin... <laughs> Beat an undefeated Kell Brook. Granted, Kell Brook was fighting at 160 pounds, but he knocked him out in five rounds. A lot of people didn't predict, like, a lot of people thought this fight was going to go longer. 
and it didn't. And he won in five rounds, and people are still being ultra critical of Gennady Golovkin. And now I'm getting to the point where I don't understand this. Like, I don't understand what else you want this man to do. He broke a man's orbital bone in, like, the first round with a punch. Like, you, I don't know what more you want. Yes, did he look, like, I mean, let's be they clear. They wanted him to not get hit at all. That's impossible. from the opening bell. That's, but that's what people wanted. That's what people wanted to see to say, okay, he's better than Canelo. But here's the problem. Kell Brook is a world-class talent. He is a champion at 147. He's not Amir Khan who was taking the Canelo fight without a title in the glass jaw. Kell Brook had never lost before. So it's like, I mean, I expected Kell Brook to, to look decent for as long as he could before Gennady walked him down. Gennady fought the fight kind of how I expected him to, except that he looked a little bit sloppier than usual because he was just really just coming in looking for the knockout. Like, I don't think he had anything else on his body. He had no intention on boxing Kell Brook. No, because he what was, didn't care what, about defense, didn't care about any of that shit. Because what was the point? Kell Brook couldn't hurt him, and he knew if he got to him, he was going to finish him. So the whole point was, I'm going to finish this guy off. And he did it in five rounds because if that towel wasn't thrown in, it was over for Kell Brook. He was getting he was about to get massacred in that fight. And more, more importantly, it's not like Kell Brook was like, hey man, why are you throwing in the towel? Kell Brook was like, Yeah, good job. Thank you for saving my career. Like, I don't know, I don't know how you watch this fight and you go, Canelo can beat Gennady Golovkin. I just I don't understand. Because you go back to the Canelo Amir Khan fight, Amir was boxing pretty well in that fight, and Canelo caught him, right? That's what we expected. But is is Amir Khan as good as Kell Brook? I, I definitely don't think so. So, no way near, right? No way near. I mean, so, Amir Khan's best days were at 140 pounds. That's right. what people don't even understand. Like, Amir Khan is a 140 pounder. He like, hasn't even had a great run at 147. Exactly. And I, I just don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get the, the, the criticism. I don't get that Gennady's not that good. Like, I what else do you want? Canelo doesn't want to fight him. Well, I'm not even going to say Canelo. Oscar doesn't Canelo want to fight him. Canelo came out a, a good because Canelo came out today and said he wants to fight him. Sure he does. He's going to keep saying that he's Mexican and he's got a heart and blah, 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 blah. Oscar De La Hoya doesn't want this fight to happen for good reason. Because, dude, Canelo isn't that good. Like, here, here's what I like. I wrote a piece for Rain Magazine about this um, because there's really nothing else that Gennady could do to satisfy people. It was until he fights Canelo. And the problem with Canelo is people look at Canelo like he's really good. But you look at his wins and loss in his loss to, to Floyd Mayweather, and you look at his wins. He struggled against Austin Trout and he won. He he won a fight with Miguel Cotto where he was so much bigger than Miguel Cotto. It looked like they were in two, like like three or four different weight classes apart. And then who else has he beat? Alfredo Angulo? Amir Khan? He's fighting Liam Smith this weekend. He lost, he got, to me, he lost a majority of the decision to Floyd Mayweather, but I didn't give Canelo a single round in that fight. Where no. do you, where do you come up with this idea that Canelo's this really good fighter? Like this, because he lost, he fought Floyd Mayweather? Look at everybody else that's lost to Floyd Mayweather and look what happened to their career since then. Robert Guerrero, washed. Andre Berto, washed. Marcos Maidana, fat and retired. Um, <laughs> he ain't washed though. He went out on his own terms. Yeah, but. I ain't but, even coming back. Nobody that fights Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao looks pretty washed. Everybody that fights Floyd Mayweather doesn't come out looking better after they fight Floyd Mayweather. Now, Canelo has looked better 
because he's he's younger. But I don't see in any shape, way, shape, or form how Canelo Alvarez beats that Gennady Golovkin, like any Gennady Golovkin. I don't see it. I don't see how he beats an Olympic silver medalist. People are like he boxes better than Gennady Golovkin. Where? How? I don't see it. He's faster. Eh. He's not. Well, Canelo's not faster than Triple G. I mean... Kel Brook was faster than Triple G, and many expected that. He's lighter. The speed advantage was good. But Canelo is slow compared to Triple G. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But in my opinion, Kel Brook gives Canelo Alvarez hell at 154 pounds. Like, if they were to fight at 154, that's a fight I would like to see, Kel Brook and, and Canelo Alvarez. That's, I don't think, I'm not saying that Canelo wouldn't win the fight because I think, I still think he's, he's huge. The motherfucker is big. But Kel Brook is much better boxer than people give him credit for. And the fact that he, he hung in there with Gennady, that's not a, that's not, that, you don't take away from Gennady for that fight. You add to Kel Brook. Like, I don't, I don't, it's just, it was really frustrating to me for, to hear people was like, ah, you look terrible. He's going to get ran over by Canelo. Dude, let's see how Canelo looks against Liam Smith. And even still, it's Liam Smith. Who the fuck is Liam Smith? Canelo's not fighting anybody that makes you salivate over the Golovkin's fight. I still can't pick out Liam Smith in a lineup. No. You show me five pictures of people right now, I can't tell you which one is Liam Smith. That's what I'm saying. This, this is ridiculous, man. Like, boxing has just gotten so ridiculous. If, because if this was the UFC, Triple G and Canelo would have fought twice already. <laughs> like, for real. Like, this fight would have already happened. I don't... I don't understand any of this shit, man. It's it's really ridiculous. Yeah, it's... I expect a quick knockout. So, official predictions for this fight this weekend. Quick knockout by Canelo. I'd say third round. Um, I won't even say third round. I, I think... I don't know enough about Liam Smith to predict this fight. As far as, as far as distance is concerned. The stuff that I've seen of Liam Smith, it hasn't been against quality competition. So, It looks like he's one of the chefs on the Food Network. <laughs> I just saw a picture of him and Canelo. <laughs> Yo, no, no way. Three rounds, man. I don't got to know anything about him. Um, but, you know, this is a real... Like, when, when, when Gennady fights Kell Brook, it's a good fight between two world-class fighters. One is naturally bigger than the other and should win, which was what we all predicted with Gennady Golovkin. When Canelo fights Liam Smith, this is all on Canelo Alvarez. Liam Smith can't help but look better than, than anybody expected because nobody's giving him a shot in hell because nobody knows who he is. So if Canelo, the longer this fight goes, and if Canelo's losing rounds to Liam Smith, it hurts him. Like, that's just, like, he's supposed to get this guy out of here because nobody knows who he is. I don't know if that's going to be the case, but, yeah, of course I'm picking Canelo to win. But, you know, somebody asked, are you guys going to Dallas? Dude, I'm not even watching this fight live. That's how much I don't care about this fight. I will watch this fight Sunday afternoon, probably. I, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care about this fight. If there was a fight between this and, like, the Vargas Pacquiao fight, which we have to be at, I don't care. Like, I... Dude, I, no, I forgot watched. that fight was even going on. I guess we do have to be at that. I completely forgot it was happening. <laughs> but there is, like, I haven't watched the video. I, I haven't done an interview. Like, people are like, are you going to interview Liam Smith, Saddam Ali? And I was like, no, I don't care. I don't care. This fight does nothing for me. So I'm not watching. So whoever wins, 
who should be Canelo, however he wins, whatever. Like, this will be a fight that I actually actively look for spoilers. Like, to see if I even need to watch the fight. And I hate seeing spoilers. No, we're going to see the primary part of the fight on Twitter. It's going to be 15 seconds of goodness. Yeah, I I don't care about this fight. Um, So what? So there's I certainly also, ain't paying for the fight. Hell no. Man, no. No, no, no. This is all this this is bad. Um so anyway, the other fight was uh Roman Gonzalez versus Quadras, which ended up being an excellent, excellent fight. Um Roman Gonzalez won. Chocolatillo took his fourth fourth world title in uh in another weight class. And he's you know, he's working his way up the ladder. And um there are some interesting fights for Chocolatito, but the question is, is he still the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world? This has to add to his resume. It and, does. And I think right now, I, I've had him there all along. So I've had him at number one, and he'll stay there until we get the, you know, the clear outcome between Ward and Kovalev. Yep. Because that fight jumps either one of them ahead of him. Yep, that's that's my take on that too. Absolutely. I'm not even sure if Ward jumps ahead of him though. Ward was all Ward hasn't fought anyone since he came back. Kovalev yeah. at least had one hell of a gauntlet. Kovalev wins, he's number one. Ward wins. Roman's still number one. Ward is number two. So <laughs> you and, know. and I wanna see I wanna see you know Chocolatito keep going up. I wanna see Leo Santa Cruz and, and those guys up there at what, one twenty seven. Oh, like that kind of weight. I, I want to see him fight those guys. That'll definitely solidify him being number one. I think, um, I think Chocolatito is number one. Well, I think, Sergio, in my opinion, Sergey Kovalev is the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. And Chocolatito is like 1A. Um, and that's just been my take for like the longest time. And I'm, I, there's no sense in me changing that right now until Kovalev and Ward fight. I think Kovalev has just kind of run a rough shot over everybody. Um, and however the fight with Ward pans out, I think if Ward beats Sergey, Ward's the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. The interesting thing about Chocolatito is, is he's done this all in a smaller weight class, so a lot of people haven't had the opportunity to see him. And I know that hurts on a mainstream level. But for us that have been watching Roman Gonzalez for a long time, you know he deserves where he's at. So I, I don't have any qualms with him being the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. The fight with Kawadra's... There were a couple of things that happened in that fight that I thought were really intriguing. And one of them was the fact that Chocolatito is not as powerful when he moves up in weight. And, he, you know, the fight became a dogfight because he couldn't just wear him down. And there were times where I looked at Chocolatito and I was like, oh, he's getting tired too. Because you don't usually see that because usually the guys are put out of there before they hit the championship rounds. But all that being said, he's, he's, he's a bad dude. He's, I mean... I really like watching Roman Gonzalez fight. He is really good. Really, really good and exciting to watch. And if you're not watching him, I, I don't understand. Now, he did good sales. Like, the gate in oh, L.A. Yeah. did really well. Uh, his TV numbers were there. I think they were in the 800s. He did really good, especially, you know, on a weekend that was kind of busy. College football, yeah. NFL. He did good numbers. He did. And, and, they, and they were smart. This is, this is like smart brand building is what they've done with Chocolatito. Attaching him to Golovkin, you know, for, for two fights. Um, and now having him, you know, still kind of semi-headline his own show at the forum. Um, but still being paired with Gennady in the broadcast. 
everything was done smart. And then you built his base in L.A. So now when he fights in L.A., people are going to come to see him because they just because they got a chance to see him fighting under Golovkin. So it's like everything's been done right marketing. I wish boxing would do it right better. The fight that I do want to see is uh, Inouye uh, because that Japanese dude is a savage. And He's just like a buzzsaw, though. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, he <laughs> before Lomachenko, he was the quickest fighter to win a world title. And uh, now, I mean, you pair him with Chocolatito, like, that's that, there's fireworks to be had in that fight. Um, so that part, like, this week has had some exciting boxing. I mean, this past week. This weekend, I don't care. Oh, yeah, Daniel Jacobs knocking out Sergio Mora. Um, damn, actually, that was, that was a good card as a, as a whole because the Yeah, comedy, I was about to say, that was a good fight. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the uh, Richard Comedy and Robert Easter fight was great as well. Um, but Daniel Jacobs, if we get a Daniel Jacobs-Gennady Golovkin fight, dude, people are going to have to shut the fuck up because now you have a legit middleweight fighting Gennady Golovkin. And Daniel Jacobs is as legit as it gets. That dude is great. He's better than good. I mean, look at what he, you know, he, I mean, he destroyed Sergio Mora. Destroyed, dominated. He's, he has real power. He's and he's always had real power, and he's fast, and he's a good boxer. You know, people question his chin, but people forget when he had that fight. There was a lot of stuff going on. You know, he, you know, his grandmother died. He, you know, he had. I mean, people forget he was out of boxing because of cancer. So it's like, yeah. I interviewed him after that. You know, right before the comeback fight, and you know, trying to avenge that loss, and he was very confident that that wasn't him, and he yeah. was going to show the real him, and he did. And, you know what? He, he decimated Peter Quillen. Um. Daniel Jacobs, Gennady Golovkin in December. Oh man! Oh, I, I, I will be thoroughly excited for that fight. They need to make that fight happen. Unfortunately, I don't think Al Heyman is going to make that fight happen. I think Jacobs wants it bad, and I don't think they're going to give it to him. Ah, uh, but right now for Jacobs, it's like that's the case where even a loss to Gennady raises your profile because how many other people can beat you? That's what he has to look at. So right. even if this guy beats me, then I take the B side of that. And I'm the A side in every other fight I'm in, and no one else is going to beat me. So then I'll just rematch him in two years or a year and I'm, a half, whatever it may be. I mean, this this what I'd like to see, which won't happen. I'd like to see Daniel Jacobs get either Canelo or Gennady in his next fight because I think Canelo's Daniel, not taking that. No, and I think Daniel Jacobs beats Canelo right now. That's my two cents. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, man, I'm just not sold on Canelo. I think Canelo's good. I think he's really good. I don't think he's great. And I think two really good fighters between Jacobs and Canelo could be a really excellent fight. And I picked Jacobs to win, but I, I think that fight is really a toss-up. And, and that would prove to me how good Canelo really is. These fights aren't doing shit to prove anything about Canelo. Not a damn thing. He hasn't had a tough fight since Lara. Yeah. And even then, I mean, a lot of people had him losing that fight. It's like, come on, man. Get yeah, it's time for him to show it. They've collected enough easy money. Every now and yes. then, it's time to go out there and earn their money. Absolutely. And Oscar, Oscar doesn't get that. But hopefully, people stop buying the pay-per-views and everything. The money will dip. And Oscar will be forced to put him in there against someone who's real. Yep. So, we'll, we'll see if that happens. Now, we're going to take another quick break. Coming right back on the other side, talking MMA. We had UFC 193. We have a UFC card coming up this weekend. And uh, Did you say 193? What was it? Oh, sorry. 203. Excuse me. UFC 203. I'm bugging. I've gone back in time. Yeah. Um, UFC 203. We have UFC Fight Night Texas 
coming up this week, and UFC 205 taking shape. So, a lot of stuff to talk about, so stay tuned. Right after the break, we're coming back. Before we continue to talk more combat sports, we've got to give another thanks to Casper Mattresses. Casper Mattresses combine two technologies, springing latex foam and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface. Have y'all ever slept on memory foam? It's like floating on air. It's that great. And this is how we get our sleep. So you guys make sure that you check it out. Casper Mattresses are made in the USA and have free shipping and returns to the US and Canada. Shout out to the great north. You can buy your Casper mattress easy online, and it's completely risk-free. Look, dude, you spend like a third of your life sleeping, and Casper understands the importance of trying out a mattress before you commit. Look, so if you are satisfied with the Casper mattress, you got a 100-day period. Yeah, that's right, 100 days. You know, like, 100 days of sleeping, by, by about that time, I think I know if I like my mattress. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. And you can save an additional $50 towards your Casper mattress by going to casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner. Promo code the corner to save $50 towards your Casper purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Look, again, man, I like to sleep and these things are for real. All right, everybody, it's time to talk MMA and UFC 203, not 193. I, I don't even remember who headlined 193. I'm sure we talked about it on this podcast, but time flies. What can I say? Everything I mean, just is a blur. Yeah. Uh, so where do you want where do you want to start? You want to start off with CM Punk? I have to start off with CM Punk. Have to. Um, I thought that the UFC... <laughs> Listen, and this is my justification to it. I was like, yo, not that CM Punk looks great. I didn't think the UFC would be dumb enough to give him an actual fighter that he can beat. And I was like, yo, I saw 20 seconds of Mickey Gall. It's like watching that old, super grainy film. And you'd be like, yo, this guy's amazing. I saw 20 seconds of this kid. And I was like, yeah, ho-hum, whatever. There's no way the UFC is going to give CM Punk a legit-ass MMA fighter. Regardless of age, whatever, they got to give him a can. I'm picking CM Punk. They weren't <laughs> smart enough to give him a can. They gave him a legit ass kid. And the more I look at Mickey Gall, I'm like, yo, this kid might actually be UFC caliber. Like, honest to God, UFC caliber. And just, they found a diamond in the rough. A- another Sage Northcut. Someone who can actually at least compete in the UFC. And, damn, I feel bad for CM Punk now. Like, damn, you, you thought they were going to give you the easy oop. And someone just came. And smack your joint against the backboard. Like, you thought you were walking in there, you were confident. Cult of personality was blaring. And it was over. No significant strikes. Zero in the fight. It's a damn shame. Yeah, so... CM Punk, yeah. He, no. No, <laughs> no he had nothing. I like, when you picked him, I was like, really? Um, I thought Gall was a can. This is in no way reflective of CM Punk's skills. Well, the issue the issue isn't that Gall is is or is not a can. It's the fact that CM Punk is not an MMA fighter yet. And Mickey Gall, we still don't know if he's legit. He beat CM Punk and he beat Mike Jackson. 
So we we really don't know if Mickey Gall, like, come on, like, seriously, like, what kind of anybody could have beat CM Punk? I'm not, not sure if anybody, but I think yeah, there's I mean, a lot of MMA fighters that could have beat CM Punk. Yeah, but to go pick a guy off the street, you think they give him someone a little worse than Mickey Gall? But Mickey see, Gall looked like he knew what the hell he was doing in life. But see, Mickey Gall is—he's only had what three fights, three pro five. fights, and two amateur fights. Yeah, five. Total. So, so you're not really going to get any greener than what you got with Mickey Gall. Like in all honesty. An MMA fighter who fights it tough enough could have probably beat CM Punk. So it's not this isn't a testament to, to, to Gaul, you know, like a Gaul Northcutt fight. I mean, say Northcutt has fought more elite competition than Mickey Gaul. So, Way more elite. So the the fact and they're not even elite, they're just better. But the so the whole thing is it has nothing to do with Gaul. It has more to do with the fact that it takes a long time to become MMA ready. Like you Punk really is legitimately coming off of off the street to learn MMA. He came like he was a pro wrestler, but it wasn't like it was a different type of athleticism. It was like taking bumps. It was like entertainment. Like he didn't have a collegiate wrestling background like Brock Lesnar. He didn't, you know, he didn't he wasn't a striker by nature. Like he had nothing. And in a year and a half, with with being at one of the top gyms in all of MMA, they still couldn't get him ready for a guy who was considered is considered a novice. You know what I'm saying? Like it just it's more of a testament to say it so takes if a lot. So wins two legit UFC fights moving forward. Does that change your opinion? Of course. But he has to win two legit UFC fights. Beating beating Mike He's going to get one. But that's what I'm saying, but he has to win it first. Like I I'm not ready to go all in like Gal's like some world beater now or ready to compete in the lightweight division or the welterweight division because of these these this victory against CM Punk. CM Punk like, that, I mean, you, you can't put any credence in it. It's just like what I was saying about Canelo. If you beat up a can, you beat up a can. CM Punk was a can. You're supposed to look good against cans. That's exactly what happened. I like, would have liked to see the guy throw a punch. Yeah, well, he, what, he I mean, got taken down off rip, off what, balance. The moment the fight started, the moment the fight started and, and Punk started hedging forward, I was like, oh, he's done. Because... He he smothered his own distance and then was taken down immediately and then just ran over. He panicked. He didn't know what to do in a real fight. He had no clue what to do. He got dominated. And you should at least, if you don't know what to do, circle the octagon a little bit, throw a few jabs. No. He make treated the other this, guy chase you. Yo, he treated this like like a, an action movie. Like you just run at the guy and you punch him and he's not going to defend himself. That doesn't happen in real fighting. He and it, went. It's like he went for the the clinch, like it was WWE. Like he, if you watch the fight, he puts his hands up and he kind of hops forward. He hops, yeah. hops, hops, and then before you know it, Gall's like already there. Like I don't think Punk expected Gall to close that distance and shoot for a takedown that quick. But Gall, there was nothing else he could do. His instincts kicked in. Gall has MMA instincts. CM Punk does not. No, and Luke Thomas uh, did a great breakdown of that. As far as he broke it down technically, and it was only two minutes, but he broke down the technical aspects, and it's a great little video to watch. It was funny though, and yeah. you see CM Punk hop forward and all the mistakes he made on the ground. It was a litany of mistakes for a two-minute fight. Yeah, dude, it was not. He was not. He has no MMA instincts. Like if you, 
put somebody in a foreign situation, no matter how they trained about it, without any real experience, they're not naturally like if you put CM Punk in a wrestling ring, no matter when you put him in a wrestling ring, he knows how to take a bump and he knows how to react when somebody hits him. But you put him in another, you put him in a foreign land, MMA, he's training, but it's not it's not his instinct isn't to shift his weight his instinct isn't but to look like he had never been in a fight let alone an mma fight a he... fight in his life dude he probably like... hasn't like i'm, like, I'm yo, just you saying you never you never in the schoolyard and just like yo you just gotta tell someone you'll throw him up or you just gotta offer somebody to fade nothing he had dude, nobody he had said nothing. yo mama one too many times in elementary school and you just had to tee off on him he has never been in a fight and 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 the... I, I don't say this to take anything away from CM Punk as an individual. I, I commend him for trying to live out his dream and compete in the MMA because I don't think, like I said, I've said this before, I don't think Punk, you know, it was great that he fought in the UFC, but I don't think Punk really cared where he got a fight. I think he just really wanted to fight and see if he could do it. Um, so I commend him for that. But then it's just like, dude, he's, where does he go from here? The, Dana White said probably not in the UFC. But there's a problem with that statement. Now, I'm going to ask you first before I even give my, my assessment. Where does Punk go from here? I think his next fight's in the UFC. But I'm in the minority. He, he, has, a long, he has a multi-fight deal. And I think if he trains for another six months, he can talk Dana into giving him another fight and say, you know what, that wasn't my best showing. Give me another chance. And I think his competitor has already been seen in the UFC. And I think he fights Mike Jackson. Wow. Um, Both with losses. It's a guy, realistically, if, you know, they both lost to the same guy in a similar fashion, it would make them equal skill sets, no? Uh, I, me personally... Uh, there, there's, there's a, this is problematic. Dana White saying CM Punk doesn't fight in the UFC. So if you release him, Bellator is coming to get his ass tomorrow. Like, if you release, because there's too much money to be made off of CM Punk. So, oh, but CM Punk's making a good amount of money his damn self, though. And we'll talk about that in a second too. But if you keep CM Punk, I think the smart thing to do, the really smart thing to do, go let him fight in a Titan or or somewhere and have him fight on Fight Pass. I, I yeah. think that, that's the smartest thing. Like, because you can't Still keep pay the, him under Zufa, kind of like they do for uh, Cyborg. Yeah, and, and you let him fight on a fight pass card. And you and he, he doesn't even headline a fight pass card. Uh, well, unless it's like Titan FC or something like that, or any of these other organizations. But you send him there, and you draw eyeballs there, and you and you really that way you can really gauge his drawing power, and and and, and you don't delegitimize your sport because. Having Punk compete at another major pay-per-view is the wrong thing to do. He's not ready. So you put him somewhere in one of these regional promotions, you, you pay him, and then you, you take a look at how well he does, and then you take a look at how many people pay to, watch, to subscribe to Fight Pass to watch CM Punk fight. So it technically won't be in the UFC, but it's still under the Zufra umbrella, and, and they're still going to make money off it. That's the route I think you go. But you don't let him go because Bellator does not give a shit. They just had Data 5000 and Rest in Peace Kimbo Slice fight on a major card. They don't give a shit about your credentials or anything like that. If you can draw eyeballs, they're coming right for Punk. So they can't let him go. Yeah, because I'm not – 
any promotion would be happy to have him. World Series of Fighting, anything of the sort he's bringing money to. Now, is his goal to be a professional MMA fighter or is his goal to fight in the UFC? What is his dream exactly? I never got that clarified. I think he, I mean, I think to be a professional fighter, you want to fight in the best fighting promotion, which is the UFC. So I think they kind of go hand in hand. Um, he wants to be a UFC fighter. Like he wanted to be in the WWE. Like I don't think any indie wrestler, most indie wrestlers dream of one day fighting in the he, WWE. He came out like a week ago and was like, you know what? I would have been perfect, happily, perfectly happy fighting in ROH in Japan for my entire career, if, even if I never went to WWE. Yeah, in hindsight, you say That's that. That's a but, lie, yeah. That's a bold-faced lie, but yeah. he's a weird dude. Like, what if he means that? I mean... Like, I, so now what is your dream? Like, you fought in the UFC. If that was your dream, you made one fight there. Now, is your real dream to be a professional fighter? Because you can do so for years in World Series of Fighting, in lower promotions, and you can work your way up. Yeah, I mean, you know, that statement is like me saying... Um, you know, in hindsight, I could have wrote for all these publications and never worked for BET. Well, that's, well, that's true. I'm not going to pass up the opportunity either. And Punk didn't pass up the opportunity to be in the UFC. Uh, and, and he wants to be a professional fighter. So, but I think he knows how old he is. And then after getting ran over by God, I think he's going to give it another go because I don't think Punk gives up. And then he'll, he'll, he'll reconsider everything. You know, if he wins a fight in a, in a regional promotion, that's where he's at. Then he'll try to work his way back into the UFC. And I, the, I think the line will be a lot shorter than other people trying to get into the UFC. But, you know, this is how it goes. Um, he, he just, was, he just it wasn't ready for that level of competition. Now, with that being said, he got paid half a million dollars for getting his ass kicked for two minutes. Woo, smooth half a mil. I would have took that ass whooping for half that amount. How do you feel about CM Punk getting a half a mil for that? It's ridiculous, right? I mean, Mickey Gall got 30K for beating him. Mm -hmm. If someone, if you're giving someone a debut talent, they went out and got someone to debut against him. I know he brings in eyeballs and all this stuff. They give him the 15 and 15, which is still more than anyone else debuting in the UFC. People get eight and eights sometime on their debut. But you give them the 15 and 15, and you give them pay-per-view points, and you call it a day. Now, that takes you to wherever it takes you. That's your real earning potential. Don't give 500 k off rip, and then no win bonus. I know what it means when fighters don't get a win bonus. That means you're getting pay-per-view points. McGregor doesn't get win bonuses. Mm. Like, that means that somehow Punk was banking CM... I mean, he was banking pay-per-view points on top of his 500K. Punk walked away with two mil. All right. Maybe on the short end. Nah, that ain't good. Nope. Well, here, here's my take on this. I'm not mad at Punk making two, a half a million dollars for the fight. Because whatever this pay-per-view comes in, he's going to be one of the prime reasons why this pay-per-view, if it does over a half a million buys, Right. He's going to see him punk. There's an interest in seeing punk. And he got half a million because of his drawing power. However, my problem is, is what everybody else gets while CM Punk gets half a million. That's where I, have a, I take issue. I don't take issue with punk. It's not like punk just said, no, give me a 15 and 15. Because punk is going to do, he's going to make that off of the, off the points. Like he's, he's going to clear that easily. Like he deserves, he's an attraction. You pay him as an attraction. 
But to see guys like Mickey Gall get $30,000, I have a problem with. Because clearly, the UFC can afford to pay PM, CM Punk a half a million dollars, right? Definitely. Roy McDonald got paid, what, $59,000 for that Robbie Lawler fight. To get his nose shattered. This is why I have a problem with CM Punk getting half a million. Don't have a problem with CM Punk. I have a problem with the UFC. Have, I don't think Mighty Mouse has ever banked 500 guaranteed. Right. And then, then you wonder why guys are going, I want the money fights. I want the money fights. Because they're not getting paid shit to fight. Now, the fighters are the reason why people watch the UFC. People, but people, everybody tuned in because of CM Punk. The casual fan tuned in because of CM Punk. They got them over that hump. Like Conor McGregor gets people who don't normally watch the UFC. Ronda Rousey the same. They're special attractions. The difference between Conor McGregor and CM Punk is Conor McGregor can fight. Ronda Rousey could fight. They prove themselves to go along with that personality. But when Mickey Gall makes $30,000, like, and you're going to make a bunch of money off of this pay-per-view, why is this man getting paid more? Why, why is CM Punk getting paid more than Uriah Faber? Why is CM Punk getting paid more than what Rory McDonald made in an all-time classic welterweight fight? He almost made 10 times more than Rory McDonald did against Ro- Robbie Lawler. And Robbie Lawler only made, I believe, 150 and 150 of that fight as well. Yeah, a, CM Punk made, what, maybe four years of Robbie Lawler's career? Three years of his career? In the a fight, night? Yeah, the fighters aren't being paid fairly. And that, there's my issue with how much CM Punk got paid. Not that CM Punk didn't deserve it because the UFC can afford to pay it. But because the UFC can afford to pay him, they need to compensate everybody else. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. CM Punk should not have turned it down. If no, someone I, offers you way more than you're worth, take it every time. But dude, come on, man! Like, you like they, he made more than a lot of champions. That's that ain't right. He made they, championship money. You got to give like you have to pay these guys more. And I, and I, I can see why Rory left. Like if Rory was still in the UFC, I'd have shit on myself. If you would have told me CM Punk got destroyed in two minutes and made half a million dollars while you nearly had your career ended, you made fifty nine thousand dollars. Come on, man! Come on. That's crazy. That's, that's ridiculous. Mickey Gall just beat your half-million-dollar guy, and he only made $30,000? He should have at least made double that, minimum. At least. No, they don't care, man. If you're not moving the numbers, it, it is what it is. So we're not going to see Tyron Woodley versus Wonderboy. Because like, Woodley's going to wait and wait and wait for the big money fight. Because, you know, in this sport, because unlike other sports, the, the margin of error is so small. Like, Woodley can go in there against Wonderboy, get clipped, and be right back at it like a 60 and 60. Like, come on, man. Like, I get it. I understand it. I don't like it. I think it hurts the sport. But that's not the fighter's fault. It's the UFC's fault for not taking care of these fighters. Because when you look at these pay-per-view numbers, now we know Conor McGregor, he deserves what he's getting. He's learned how to control his destiny. Other fighters are still trying to figure the shit out. They're trying to figure out what to do. Like, Tyron Woodley's like, man, I don't know how long I'm going to have this title, so I better make the best out of it. And me fighting Wonder Boy is only going to net me this amount, while me fighting Nate Diaz is gonna, or Nick Diaz is going to net me this amount. You're fighting for money now, but you're, that diminishes the sport. So that's my problem with that. So how about the rest of the card? Um, Steve Miocic, I thought this Alistair Overeem fight was at least going to go around and a half. What the hell was Overeem doing? Yo, it looked like he had Stipe in trouble for a second. Oh, he did. In which he went for the choke and not like the full mount ground and pound. 
Which now leads me to believe, like, yo, is Stipe in trouble anytime he goes to the ground? Like, if there's a Verdum rematch, he's a wrap. Because Verdum chokes him in that position. Well, no. Can he, like, can he can keep Kane off of him? Well, that's a different story. Kane, I, th- I feel like, I personally feel like everybody's just warming up the belt for Kane. But, I mean, Stipe, if, I don't, I don't know. I mean, look, the only reason why Stipe was in that kind of trouble is because Alistair lit his ass up and then went for the guillotine, which Stipe defended well, survived, got back to his senses, got rocked again, and then just decimated Overeem because Overeem has a glass jaw, just like everybody knows. Ten losses in ten years, and they've all been by stoppages. It's the only way this guy knows how to lose. Yeah. <laughs> well, we but, knew that wasn't going the distance. Yeah, but I just thought, damn. Like, Overeem was fighting this really weird strategy where he, like, he, he tried to sharpshoot from a distance, and then he kind of, like, when Stipe closed in, he'd, like, run off, literally. Like, he'd just take off. <laughs> he was like, all right, I'm out. And he'd be like, appear on the other side of the cage and start all over again. And then he just got, he, it got too good to him. And I, just like I thought, Overeem would get in one of those exchanges and being happy, like, man, I'm, I'm lighting his ass up. Boop, got his ass lit up. And then his that was body, it. it was a wrap. <laughs> he would, you know, Miocha's mounted him. And I was like, oh, it's over. Like, I was, I was watching on my laptop. I was literally closing my laptop when Miocha's mounted him. And I was just listening to the end. Because I was like, yeah, that's it. Because he can't get out of this. Like, once he's hit, he's done. He's done. That dude has no chin. And then the funny part is, Joe Rogan goes to interview him, which I think is a horrible idea. Somebody Why just do got you to... interview. Yeah, don't interview the losers of a knockout fight. Yeah, because they like they still trying to figure out where, what where they are. And it's, and Alistair is like in his best. I'm not knocked out. Voice says, "I'm sorry to tell you this, guys, but Yoch just tapped." And Rogan's like. Let's show the video. <laughs> yo, Joe gave zero fucks. I was like, yo, Joe's really just going to out him like this right now? Like, yo, show me the tap. And then, it's like, so the, the guy doesn't know right now. Like, damn, then, Joe, you did him dirty. But then they showed him the video the first time. They cut to Overeem. Overeem has this blank look on his face. And then Rogue is like, let's see it from a different angle. It's like, god damn. Like, how bad do you want to make me, this guy look? And they show it again. There was no tap. He just didn't know where he was. And yeah, he got he got knocked out. Miocic remains the champion, and it looks like what are we heading towards? Maybe a Verdun rematch, or if Kane is ready, I think you just jump right into the Kane fight. No, you got to do Kane because you never know when he's going to be healthy enough <laughs> again. Make sure it's at sea level, and you book it. And then you don't book Verdun at all, or you book Verdun on the same card. Maybe you know Rothwell gets healthy, and that was supposed to be the fight anyway. Yeah. Look him on the same card. If Kane gets injured, Verdum is in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. That's the, that's the route that you go. The, the heavyweight division is, you know, it's still trying to shake itself out. Um, Travis Brown, he's cooked. Like I said, uh, it's just Mr. Rousey. It's just done, man. Yo, like, it's time for them to make babies. I'm not sure if Ronda ever comes back. And Travis Brown is a rat. He's he's, yeah. he's a punching bag. You know, it wasn't a bad fight. I mean, the, the, the jumping sidekick was amazing by Verdum. I have no idea what possessed that man to run across the cage and throw a Jean-Claude Van Damme-style kick, but it connected. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. It was great. I thought I was going to knock him out. And I was like, oh, am I watching Kickboxer? Like, and then at the end of the fight, him and Edmund have an exchange of words, and he kicks him in the chest like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did to Bruce Lee. <laughs> that shit was incredible. I was like, I- yo. 
How many people have just been waiting for Edmund to just get kicked like that, though? Wow. Like, on the real. That was just one big wow. I was like, wow. Wow, that's, that's amazing. You know, but ultimately, Travis Brown, his goose is cooked. He's done. Um, what I say about Jimmy Rivera and Uriah Faber? I didn't think – I figured that Rivera was going to be a tough out. I thought Faber was going to win because of his tenure, but Rivera won the fight, clearly. So where does Uriah go? Uh, it was a boring fight. I don't, I don't know what you do with Uriah. Um, damn. It, even a Garbrandt fight doesn't make sense now because he's well, no, coming off the, a loss. I mean, they're on the same team. He's not fighting Cody. But Regardless. Um, listen, I'm, t- I'm tired of the Team Alpha Male not fighting Team Alpha Male shit. Like, if you got to fight, you got to fight. It happens. It's not like they got real trainers there anyway. You got a bunch of, you know, fanboys in your corner anyway. Well, a bunch of your teammates. Like, you can split your teammates up to corner both of you. Um, nonetheless, Team Alpha Male boggles my mind. But, I mean, you can't fight a- any of the big names and the big storylines we wanted. He's not going to fight TJ. Again, um, it- it's-, it's a wrap for him. He's going to manage and hope Garbrandt makes him a ton of money. Shout out yeah. to the Las Vegas Fight Shop. I was in there the other day, you know, home of the corner podcast. When we get in there, and they had just tons of Cody Garbrandt merch. The whole yeah. front is half Conor McGregor, half Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, that's Uriah's that's making his money. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. Um, it's just you know Rivera's a good fighter. Uh, we'll see where he goes from here. But getting a win against Uriah Faber is something that it was an impressive win, though, to me. I mean, it was, it was more Uriah was like super hesitant. And there was nothing he could do. So it's, it's just a matter of who does Rivera fight next. Does he fight Brian Carraway? Well, he doesn't fight Carraway. Does he fight uh, Aljamain Sterling? Does he fight Thomas Almeida? He's got to move up, clearly, uh, because you just beat Uriah Faber. So he's got to fight top-tier competition. So there's no real waiting for Jimmy Rivera. But, yeah, it's just really a question of, you know, is, is Faber's oh. goose cooked? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, Aljamain Sterling's waiting for a fight. Um, on that New York card, that might be a possibility. There's things, there's things that can happen. It's, it's a good things. division. So, I mean, yeah. he's going to get a fight. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that, that's pretty much 203. There's really, there's nothing else. I mean, Jessica Andrade ran over, uh, Calderwood and there's really nothing else to talk about there. So no, that's about it. Uh, this weekend though, UFC fight night, Texas. Yeah. Somewhere oh. weird in Texas, like on the border, it, right? Hidalgo. Hidalgo. There's a movie about, and a horse? I don't, I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. There's some type of Hidalgo movie out there. It might be on Netflix. <laughs> I got to search for this. That's all I know about Hidalgo. Yes, there is. But yeah, this is where this card's taking place. Headlined by Dustin Poirier versus Michael Johnson. Uh, code headliner is uh, Uriah Hall and Derek Brunson. So, and nothing Pretty else. Much, really yeah, I was about to say, that's the only thing of relevance on this card. Two fight card. So, Michael Johnson, Dustin Poirier, who do you have and why? Poirier continues to run. Um, man, he just looked like a different guy in that weight class. Uh, lightweights for him. So I, I, it's rough for me to pick another knockout. But it's a five-rounder because it's headlining. So I don't see it going the distance. Poirier gets him in the third or the fourth. Mm. Oh, I'm not mad at that pick. Uh, I'm picking Poirier to win. I think he's pretty much better than Michael Johnson in all facets of the game except for wrestling. It's a better striker. It's better Johnson's on the ground. last fight was Diaz. Diaz. Mm-hmm. And he got worked on the hands. Yep. Yeah. Nope. Not, not happening. 
and he lost us that uh, decision to Darius, which was really controversial. But before that, Michael Johnson, people thought he could be possibly competing for a title if he got a couple more wins. But you find a guy like Dustin Poirier, who was pretty much primed for a title run when he was even a featherweight. Like people were like, he's got the talent. He just has to put it all together. The Conor McGregor just ran loss. Into McGregor. That's it. But everyone well, he, since has run into McGregor, so it's yeah. not a knock on him. But I mean, you know, before that, he lost to the Korean Zombie. He lost to Cub Swanson. And the McGregor fight was a wake-up call. And Poirier was like, ah, I'm kind of big for this weight class. The weight cut's kind of hard. Let me go up to lightweight. And he found that he's just a lot stronger. And I think Poirier is going to end up competing for a lightweight title sooner or later. So with that being said, yeah, I'm picking Poirier to win this fight. He may stop Johnson, but I'll pick him by decision. All right. Uh, and then we in the co-main, Uriah Hall. Yeah, Flash uh, in the paint. Derek yeah, Brunson. versus Brunson. Yo, no I hate picking Uriah Hall. I You're hate it because you don't, you don't know who's going to win. Like, you don't know which Uriah Hall is going to show up. I'm going to pick him because it seems like he's good for one fight, trash the next. Good for one, trash the next. He's due for a good one. Slow and steady wins the race, in my opinion. Derek Brunson, slow and steady. Uriah Hall is the rabbit. And he, he's the rabbit that's like, I don't know. He moves, I, but he doesn't throw. It's, like, there's it's fights so, where he doesn't throw anything. It's so weird because Uriah Hall has all this talent, yet he waits for these perfect moments to go for these his offense. And MMA isn't built like that. It's like a, it's like a, um, a shooting guard that waits to be wide open to take the jumper. It doesn't happen. you got to create your own shot. And Uriah Hall has just been a failure at creating his own shot. And Derek Brunson is not the type of guy who I think is going to allow Uriah Hall to create his own shot. He's, he's a good wrestler. Him, he's a he's a solid striker, and if he grounds Uriah Hall, that's it. So I'm picking Derek Brunson um, until one day Uriah Hall's gonna have to wake up and, and realize he has to create his own shot. Like he has to make his offense work for him because people are just not gonna just stand there with their hands down waiting to get kicked. It's just not gonna happen. So no, I'm and I don't see Brunson. Brunson making the mistake necessarily, but I think Hall throws enough finally in this fight to outpoint him. I mean, I hope you're right, because I think talent-wise, Rod Hall is head and shoulders above a lot of people in that division. But he just – he waits. He's, he's, he's unbelievably patient, and it costs him fights because there is a time. Time ticks. You can't just sit there and wait. Like, people are just not going to say, you know what? I'm tired of fighting you. Kick me in the face. They don't do that. They fight to win. <laughs> well, That's occasionally people do that. You catch someone with a knee, a spinning back kick. He – when he lands those very methodical shots, they pay off. It's just they don't land often enough. He no, needs got, an intermediate offense. Yeah, you got to create an opening to land that. You know, like when Edson Barbosa nailed Terry Edom with that, that spin and heel kick that's been on highlights forever, there was a bunch of other offense that went into that fight before he landed that kick. Uriah Hall has to create situations where he can faint, get a guy to open up, and land that big shot. And if that doesn't work, go to a plan B. All Hall does is move his feet, shuffle around. He doesn't, and he throws these like real boring feints that nobody buys. So then, when so then, then that's it. Then he just waits for a counter strike. He's like, well, maybe I'll counter strike you, like he did Gegard Mashasi. He caught Gegard slipping. You yep. can't catch people slipping every fight. Some people you have to create those openings, and you're out. Hall I think just, he's scared of getting caught slipping. I don't think he's a person who likes to be hit. Clearly, I he's, think he's scared I, to be knocked out. So he's not willing to stand in there and create those opportunities. You know what? Maybe the best thing that could happen to Ryan Hall is him getting knocked out. Maybe just that's YOLO? The, 
Yeah, like he gets knocked out and it's just like, dude, all right, I'm just going to fight It wasn't him. that bad. Yeah, That's exactly. You, <laughs> you, got, you got to put him in a situation that says, all right, you know what? I can fight. I can take a punch. Like, I feel like he's fearful of getting hit. Like, he's lost to Robert Whitaker in his last fight. He lost to Raphael Natal. He lost to John Howard. Those are three people he should have beat, talent-wise. Whitaker's the only questionable one because Whitaker's talented, but, dude, he's better than these guys. Come he on, is. Man. Just mentally, he can't put it together consistently enough. And being a champion is mental. Exactly. Way more than physical. And he doesn't have the mental makeup of a champion. Yep, yep, yep. Um, before we get out of here, though, UFC 200, or excuse me, UFC 205 in New York taking shape. I need to get my numbers right today. Uh, 205 coming together. All signs point towards a Cowboy versus Gastelum fight now. Yay yeah. or nay for you? I'm with it. I'm, dude, Dallas won't be fighting anybody. I'm with it. And Gastelum's guys have been moving up. Um, obviously, we would have loved to see the Lawler fight. Didn't pan out. So, I'm fine with Gastelum. It won't, it won't headline. I mean, whoever Cowboy was fighting wasn't going to headline the card anyway. Gastelum would be a Yo, fun fight. Is the card lackluster so far to you? I mean, granted, too we only soon. have, what, five five fights? Yeah, too soon. Too soon for me to say that. If all these fights are supporting fights. We're a month and a half away, though. We're six weeks away. Yeah, well, I you mean. You think, you know, this should be shored up pretty soon. This will be shored up probably within the next seven to ten days. So, just when we find out what the headliner is, that's when we'll decide whether this is weak or not. But a it cowboy have a fight. a strong co-main, too, though. Yeah, New York should. was built up so big that the co-main and the main should feel important. Yeah, I mean, you know, if Wyman's healthy, yeah, you know, he could be there. Um, I don't, well, shit, I don't know. Maybe Wyman Romero, I mean, happens on this card. I mean, you already got Ally Kent and Tiago Alves. That's a great fight. You got Cerrone and, uh, and Gaslam, so... It's really early. I'm just curious what this main event is going to end up being. Yeah, it's... It, it doesn't seem like it's going to be Connor. Anything outside of Connor is a disappointment. It, it's too, it feels weird because in the Connor McGregor fight, it's almost... This is funny to say as we close the show, but Connor McGregor fights are starting to feel like Floyd Mayweather fights where you feel like you need more time to promote a Connor McGregor fight than like four weeks. And you don't really need it, but it helps. But that's all contingent on whether Con, you know, Connor wants to do this the press gamut. If yeah, he but the more Connor talks, the better it is. Even last time yeah. he refused to do press, he came out with those WWE quotes and he was everywhere. Yeah, so it's like if they're gonna book, like I feel like if they haven't announced Connor yet, they're running out of time. So if it's not Connor, I don't know who it's gonna be. It's really gonna be hard to promote, you know, a DC versus Rumble fight then in four weeks if you can't promote Connor in four weeks. Mm, yeah, I don't, and I don't think that'll be the fight either. I still think that John, you know, Dana White's waiting to see what happens with John Jones before and he makes. He doesn't a have another headliner. Ronda's not there. No Connor. No um, heavyweight fight. No light heavy. You're SOL for a selling headliner after that. There's no one else. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, there's still Eddie Alvarez. So if it's Eddie Alvarez, Conor McGregor. There's your fight, but I just feel like they're running. They're, they're really running out of time to figure it out. And maybe, yeah. maybe Nick Diaz makes his comeback. Maybe they find That'd a way. Be a good fight. Maybe yeah. it's George St. Pierre. I I don't know. Seven to ten days to figure out. We'll see. Yeah. So hopefully by the time we have our next show, um, we'll know. So UFC's under the gun, but so are we because this has been a long show. We're about to get out of here. Thank you guys for listening. You can follow us on social media. Me at Kel Dansby. Yep, and me and Andreas Hill. Follow the show at the Corner LSN on all platforms. Thank you guys, thank you guys, thank you guys. 
Um, next week, I'm going to be giving out details for a next fan appreciation show, which will happen in two weeks. So, what, we'll record this on September 15th. The fan appreciation show will be recorded on September 29th. It'll be out September 29th. You might have to record a little bit before then. But make sure you guys send in stuff to the email. Uh, you can DM me on Twitter, message me on Twitter. Andreas as well. We'll collect all the names. We'll pick three to four people to be on the Fan Appreciation Show. It's been a while since we did one. The first one was really, uh, I guess, really liked by our fan base. Critically acclaimed. So we're bringing it back. Making sure you guys feel a part of this show. Because it's as much yours as it is ours. Thanks for listening. Until next week, though, we're out. Peace. Hey guys, it's Mike. As you know, I adopted my pup Rocky from a local rescue. Now, when people ask me what kind of dog Rocky was, I was always stumped. I used an Embark Dog DNA test to decode my most puzzling questions about Rocky. You can also learn about your dog's inner secrets with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Unlock over 350 breeds and screen for over 200 genetic health risks. Save $50 on a breed and health kit with promo code KIT at EmbarkVet.com. Again, that's promo code KIT.